South Connection Network's WrestleMania preview show. Your host, Ryan Gray. Wow, thanks, Vince. And welcome to the most stupendous WrestleMania preview podcast out there. First of all, I'd like to thank everyone for taking time out of their day or night to join me in recording this. You all are super talented, and I appreciate all your efforts and time. Thank you. The order of matches here are going to be me predicting the order for each card. So that's a nice little nugget that I threw in there for you guys to play along with. And I'd love to hear yours, and I'd love to hear you make fun of me for mine. At the end of this, I'm going to quickly give you my prediction for the top five matches this week, as that's something I've been doing for the last few years, and hopefully it comes to your eyeball soon. All right, guys, enough of me. Let's get to it and have a great WrestleMania weekend. Ladies and gentlemen, it's... The most stupendous edition of Friday Night Smackdown in WWE history. It's WrestleMania Smackdown. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the triple threat match for the Intercontinental Championship as champion Ricochet defends the title against Angel Garza and Humberto Cario. All right, we're here with the Podfather, Scott. Usually you're on the main event, but now you're a curtain jerker. What's going on, man? Jesus, I feel like, uh, uh, God, I can't even say like a guy in an indie promotion that, you know, used to be one of my Pedro Morales now. I was world for, I was world champion and now I'm wrestling Barrio. I mean, is that, is that what this has come down to now? <laughs> we pulled, I guess, the short straw and we got Ricochet versus Angel versus Humberto. Intercontinental match, I guess. Whatever. Uh, thoughts? <laughs> I mean, it's good that the belt is actually being recognized. <laughs> it's nice to know that because historically over the last 15 years of WrestleMania, sometimes, you know, titles are forgotten. And it's nice that the Intercontinental title is is still recognized. Um, for Ricochet, just just have him win. Yeah. You know, no, no disrespect to Angel or Humberto, but just have Ricochet win and move on. I mean, he's make it a great match. You know, give him like you know eight and twelve minutes. Let him have some fun. Fuck it, whatever. Have him let him have a good time. And I think Ricochet should retain. And you have the time to prominently feature these mid card guys. On, on both shows, whether it's Raw or SmackDown, depending on who's where. Just, you know, Ricochet is a guy that everybody loves. He's done nothing wrong. His matches are usually great. And now he's got gold. Take advantage of it. Brock Lesnar's not going to walk through the door much longer. Or Goldberg, for that matter. you got to start grooming guys for that next level. Because 39 next year, wherever the hell well, it's in SoFi. You know, next year, Ricochet might be in a more prominent spot. Yeah, I could see him like on a Sammy kind of Zane babyface trajectory where timing is everything for him. He needs to get right. the right. He needs to get the correct timing going, because uh, the talent's there. Sure, he's he lacks stuff. He's not a main event talent, but he should be in a more prominent spot than this. And so should the Intercontinental Championship. But at the end of the day, it is what it is. Being on SmackDown WrestleManias. Yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly. 
so it is what it is. It's it's disappointing, but like you said, he should definitely win, and then he should be slowly moving up the card, and hopefully he kind of finds his footing in 2022 and kind of just moves up. There's some equity in him, but there's just they just need guys, and for him, it's all about the timing, and hopefully we get there. Yep, yep, absolutely. I mean, screw it. You know, he's the kind of guy. Put him on, on NXT 2.0 one week. And have him go after somebody, a heel or something, one of those guys, and and just you know show him off. I mean, the guy's amazing, and he's loyal. He could have bailed, you know. He could have bailed. He could have been released. That's a great point. He could have been on that list of <laughs> sixty-five wrestlers last year, yeah. and he wasn't because he's super talented, and they recognize that. But let's do something with him already. Yep, I agree. All right, Scott, what do you got for us before we get out of here? Well, of course, it's an honor to be here on the No-So. We are all part of the Quad of Pods. Obviously, I am purveying over at Old Reliable, the PTB Wrestling Network. We got a lot of great stuff. It'll be fun. It's WrestleMania week, so we got a bunch of stuff going on. And stay tuned. This coming uh, Monday, the 5th, here on the PTB Wrestling Network, it is episode 600 of the Place to Be podcast. JR and I are uh, planning something very different than any of our past anniversary shows. I'm leaving, I'm leaving it at that. I'm saying nothing more. But uh, it's going to be a ton of fun. But obviously, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Scott C. Podfather. But please follow the brand on Twitter uh, at PTBN Wrestling. We have a ton of fun over there. We do polls. We, we, you know, we promote each other's stuff. We promote, of course, the No-So, the PTB Pop Experience, the Jenny position. Uh, we have a lot of fun. We own the Ether. Sometimes it sounds like we're on Ether. We own the Ethernet. Yeah, just uh, let's have some fun. You know, this this is the only time of the year we all get to kind of get together and have a good time. It's kind of like our uh, DC crossover. It's like our Crisis in Infinite Earths, you know. <laughs> we all get to cross over and have some fun. For sure. All right, Scott. Well, I'll catch you in Vallis, buddy. Thank you very much. You got it, brother. Go Lone Star. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. All right, Jake Williams, are you ready for WrestleMania SmackDown? I'm as ready as I can be, um, which I don't know how ready that is, but I'm ready to do this. As you are, you have no choice to, but to be ready because, Jake, right. you have 30 seconds to give me all seven Andre Battle Royal winners. Are you ready? <laughs> I'm ready. Um, Cesaro. No. Cesaro's one. Uh Oh, man, that's like the only one I probably could recall off the top of my head. I feel like Baron Corbin's won one. Two. Uh, maybe Big Show's won one. Three. Oh, you're doing much uh, better than I thought. I know. Uh, let's see. Uh, Four more, buddy. Oh, let's see. Fuck, who's a big guy? Um, I'm blanking now. It's like I peaked at three. And now I'm, <laughs> three, two seconds. Our, our truth. I don't know. <laughs> No, you oh, are missing man. Mojo Raleigh, Matt uh, Hardy, oh Rod Strowman, and Jey Uso. You, you can tell by the, those picks. You could see how my um, my knowledge of WWE has faded because I imagine the three that I picked were probably the ones that won in like 2014, 2015, and 2016 or something like that. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I want to do this here. All right, now, hey, we have a redemption. We have a redemption choice here. There mm -hmm. is one wrestler... That has appeared in six of these Andres. Name them. I'm trying to think of someone who has been around long enough to do it. May I run, run it back with truth? 
Our truth maybe? No. I think he's never no. This R-Truth, appearance, but... this appearance mm-hmm. at WrestleMania SmackDown will be his fifth, tying him for with 1 2 3 4 5 6 7 8 9 10. He'll be the 10th guy that has five appearances. I'll give you those less in a second, but the okay. answer we're looking for is Heath Slater with six appearances. <laughs> of course. So Heath R- Slater. <laughs> this is the company that our truth is joining. Victor from the Ascension. Connor from the Ascension, Titus O'Neil, uh, Goldust, Fandango, Curtis Axel, and Bo Dallas. Now, if two thousand, if we were in two thousand two or two thousand three, those would be the Velocity roster. Right. Gold Goldust is the outlier there. Goldust is legit uh, amongst that parade of losers. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jake, we're going home. Give me a winner. Um, I'm going to go with Madcap uh, Moss because he seems like a biggish guy. Um, he has a silly name, and he does seem like somebody maybe they want to push as far as I know, which is not much. I don't know much. But I'm going to go with Madcap Moss. I don't know what kind of odds I can get on that, but I'll lay a little money on him. All right. Now, you stole my, my heart's pick, but my pick is going to be, like, from outer space. All right? Okay. He He's not listed. He could be in a. This could be a nice way to transfer his character. And I'm going T Bar slash Donovan Dijak. Let's go home. Um, Priest and Finn are in this. It's too bad for them. Um, maybe hopefully they pull an angle and they get thrown on the card at, at, coming mm-hmm. out of this. But I don't know. Too bad. Too sad. All right, Jake. What do you got to plug? Uh, you can of course hear me on the North South Connection feed doing the ruthlessly aggressive podcast. Ryan, you've been on there before. Um, I will be at Royal Rumble 2003 pretty soon in the next few weeks for the next month of uh, episodes. So be sure to check that out. Awesome. Jake, that was a blast. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, get your butts up off of your seat because this is NXT Stand and Deliver. All right. Lewis Maynard, what's going on, man? Not much, not much. Just trying to start the week right, get to the end of the Sunday, hopefully sleep in a little bit tomorrow and, and before going to work, try to get more sleep. Last week I was exhausted, but I'm just ready to get to WrestleMania. I'm ready to get to Texas. I'm ready to just be there. All right, that's cool. So I'm coming from Massachusetts. Where are you coming from, Mississippi? Mississippi, yeah, yeah. So that ain't too far. You mud pies down there, yeah, that's kind of a trot, right? I got to fly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, man, cool. All right, you going to NXT TakeOver, Stand and Deliver? I am going to NXT TakeOver, Stand and Deliver, and I'm actually more excited for it than I am for a lot of the stuff at WrestleMania's nights. Sounds like I have the perfect guy here to talk about a little NXT Stand and Deliver. Absolutely. All right, first match we got here is the North American Ladder Match. Did you watch that North American Ladder Match at WrestleMania New Orleans weekend? I did. That that was probably the best ladder match I've seen in person. I haven't seen a ton of ladder matches in person. Uh, there was that one, and there was one a decade ago for TNA at a Slammiversary that was really good, and King of the Mountain ladder match. But that, that was probably my favorite ladder match I've ever seen in person. So what I'm trying to say here is these guys got the bar high. We got the North American champion Carmelo Hayes, Santos Escobar, Solo Sequoia, Grayson Waller, and then we're recording this before NXT this week. So right. either Caragrams, A-Kid, or Roderick Strong. I like how each guy had to qualify to get here. I like how Carmelo was able to, quote-unquote, make the matches. Yeah. And, oh, I'm pretty excited. Of course, the bar is super high, and, you know, NXT 2.0 isn't necessarily NXT black and gold, and that's a good thing and also a, kind of a bad thing. But anyways, 
Now, at the end of the day, I feel like this has the chance to be match of the night. What do you think, and who do you think is going to win? I'm thinking they, they've been building a lot for this match, which is a good thing. Carmelo's been amazing at the announce table for the matches. I'm really hoping Cameron Grimes grabs that last spot, though. I'm really hoping I see him, like, from the top of a ladder stomp, like Grayson Waller Ooh. or Santos Escobar through a ladder. I want Grimes to come at this match with the title. I feel like it's been, like, building that underdog story with him. He's had an exciting run since his time in NXT, the Million Dollar Championship stuff with LA Knight. But I want him to have a real title. This is a real title that I think he could really shine with. Yeah, I'm with you. I got My pick is Grayson Waller or Loser Bowl. And I'm hoping that the Loser Bowl is Cameron Grimes. Or I can see a little A-Kid, a little sprinkle, a little A-Kid dust on him. He's kind of, yeah, my pick's Cameron Grimes or Sir Grayson Waller, and I think it's a really good opportunity to get the belt off Carmelo and move him up the card. Potential NXT title contender. So the next match we got here is Tommaso Ciampa versus Tony D'Angelo. So Tony D's pretty much been saying that he's looking for his chance to get WrestleMania weekend moment, and it's going to come at stand and deliver. And he didn't really necessarily say how he's going to get there or what he's going to do. And then Tommaso Ciampa was giving a really nice, heartfelt speech about kind of alluding to that his time in NXT 2.0 or NXT in general is over and that he's moving on to bigger and better things, being the main roster. We'll see about better, hopefully. And then Tony D'Angelo kind of emerges at the end of his promo and is behind him like he's going to sneak attack him. But, you know, the wise guy in Tony doesn't sneak attack him. But he lures him in and challenges him for a match, shakes his hand, and then when he's looking him in the eye, then he attacks him. I appreciate the nuance of all that to do and the nuance of Tony D's character and by his actions there. But either way, you know, are you excited for this match? What do you think about it? What do you think of Tony D? He's a new character. What do you think of Ciampa? What do you think of him on the main roster? What say you, buddy? This is probably the match I'm least excited for because I just do not care about Tony D at all. And I, I get that like he wants his WrestleMania weekend moment. Well, on the main roster, Seth Rollins is currently doing that gimmick a lot better. That I want my WrestleMania moment thing. Tony D is the D tier of that gimmick going into this weekend. I do not care about his character. His in-ring stuff hasn't really impressed me. So him being the very possibly last match, takeover match for Tommaso Ciampa, not excited for. What I hope happens is right before Tony D's entrance, we cut to backstage. Tony D's knocked out. And oh, surprise. WWE was uh, able to convince Johnny Gargano to sign a one-night contract to send off his good friend Tommaso Ciampa, and they just beat the shit out of each other for 30 <laughs> minutes. That would be the best possible outcome of this match. Now, that would be quite the wet dream. In that, uh, that's an ambitious wet dream, and I don't know, you might have got yourself into a sticky situation by yeah. setting, the bar, setting the bar so high, but... Hey, that would be a hell of a story and a hell of a way to end Chimatsu Chiampa's career. But, you know, why are you discouraging the bad name of Tony D? I need to kick you out and have you forget about it. You know? I mean, I might be sleeping with the fishes after uh, I say something like that, but he just he's he hasn't been that exciting for me. He just really hasn't. He needs somebody with him. Like the uh, FBI, full-blood Italians back in yeah. the day. They were exciting doing this same gimmick that Tony D's doing. By himself, it's just one Italian guy doing the New York gangster gimmick, and it's not that exciting. All right, well, we're going to call Disco Inferno after this and get him to it. Yeah. <laughs> I never want to see Disco Inferno on TV again. <laughs> All right, the next match we got here is Imperium versus MSK versus the Creed Brothers for the NXT Tag Team titles. Imperium has been champ since Halloween Havoc 2021. 
taking the belts from MSK. MSK had a long title run last year and got inserted into this match. I'm not mad at it, but please go to Raw and SmackDown eventually, MSK. Yeah. <laughs> and then the Creed's with the Dusty Cups, that's how they got into this match. I mean, their match with Imperium got delayed because they were attacked in the parking lot by someone. And the, those someone are yet to been revealed. So, yada, 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 we're going to have this kick-ass three-way tag team match. The NXT stand and deliver. So it's a little wonky how we got here. I am intrigued who's attacking the Creed brothers. I'm curious. I'm very optimistic that this match is going to absolutely fucking bang. Imperium's fantastic. MSK is fucking awesome. And the Creed brothers would be a certainly great around both those guys, you know, even with their young age. So I think this match could be match of the night. This match could absolutely be match of the night if one thing specific happens. Instead of doing what a lot of times happens when there's three tag teams in a match, two people are in the ring, and, like, they have to do this weird thing of other teams being able to tag in, I hope it's just full tornado style. I hope these guys can just all be in the ring at the same time going at each other because that's where you will get some amazing spots that's where you'll get some photo finish finishes a tornado gimmick to this match would be perfect for what's going on here and of the teams in it i really want to see the creed brothers win but if they don't win i want to see them get screwed over by whoever's been attacking them yeah that's my prediction i think they get screwed over by do you got an idea who it is or you want me to give you my idea i want to hear your idea I think it's going to be pretty deadly. Former NXT UK Tag Team Champions. Are you familiar with those guys? I've seen some NXT UK. It's It's been a few months since I've caught one. That would absolutely be a, a very interesting thing for them to to come over. Maybe join Imperium by, by keeping the belts with Imperium by screwing the Creed Brothers. So we have a five-man stable in Imperium. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of like that idea. Yeah, if you're not familiar with Pretty Dead, I'm going to wear their shirt to stand and deliver, so you'll get pretty familiar with it. All right, sounds good. (laughs) (laughs) Regardless, I think that match is going to be fantastic. Uh, A not-so-fantastic match, probably the least anticipated match on the card, unfortunately, is Mandy Rhodes versus Cora Jade versus Io Shirai versus Kay Lee Ray for the NXT Women's title. Mandy's been champ since Halloween Havoc. Pretty much the whole women's division has been built around her and Toxic Attraction, who are also the tag team champs. Cora Jade had a singles match with Mandy here for a few weeks, and they've been doing some wonky stuff on TV to build to it, but it's been okay. EO and Kaylee won the Dusty Cup and swerved everybody by deciding to forgive their tag team women's opportunity and to insert themselves NXT women's title match at Stand and Deliver and make it a fatal four-way. So I kind of felt that it was a kind of cute swerve. And honestly, yeah. it's a much better match on paper with the four women opposed to the 19-year-old rookie and Mandy Rose, who's fantastic, but is not fantastic for her in-ring work. So I'm really not mad at how they got here, and I think it was, I think it's cute. Yeah, it's a nice spin on like the option C TNA thing of cashing in next division title for a world title shot. Like it was a nice little swerve to get into the main title picture and it makes this match better. If it was just Mandy and Cora Jade in a singles match, it wasn't going to be that great. Cora Jade's still very green. Mandy's never really been that good. Going down to NXT has helped her some, but she's still not an amazing wrestler. It helps so, establish her character more than anything. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But EO's fantastic in the ring. Kaylee Ray's fantastic in mm-hmm. the ring. So having those two inserted into this is definitely going to help it. It's still not going to be the best women's match we've seen at a takeover. It just doesn't have the talent in it for that. No, no, no. 
at the end of the day, it was going to be like a two star match if that if they were lucky. Now they're going to be three and a half, and it should be good. Yeah, um, we'll get, we'll get a fantastic Cora Jade top yeah. rope spot in it, so we're fine. Speaking of Cora Jade, I think she has a low key chance of winning. What, what what about you? Oh, absolutely. I think if if anyone's going to take the belt off of Mandy right now, it's going to be Cora Jade, and I think EO and Kaylee Ray are in this match just to help with the in ring side of things. All right, so speaking of in-ring, this feud was started not in-ring. It was started in a verbal backstage interact started because two big stars didn't have a match. And that's Gunther versus L.A. Knight. It's a way to get two studs on the card. It should be a good matchup. There's not much build here, but fuck, you know, Knight's a stud on the stick and Gunther's a stud in the fucking ring. So fuck it. Let's do it, right? Yeah, I mean, this is just a way of getting these two on the card. It could have been done better. There could have been more build to this. Honestly, if you want to, like, trade some stuff, L.A. Knight versus Ciampa would have been a better match going on for Ciampa, and they could have built that better. And Tony D's WrestleMania weekend moment could have been just getting the his shit kicked in by Gunther. That would have <laughs> made me a lot happier. These two can go in the ring. Babyface L.A. Knight isn't as fun as heel L.A. Knight, but I see why they're doing it right now because they're – lacking in the babyface department these two are going to beat the shit out of each other gunther is going to turn la knight's chest red with a bunch of slaps and i cannot wait to see hopefully gunther win and hopefully get onto monday night raw i hope the mm-hmm. i hope gunther debuts the monday after wrestlemania after veer debuts and just beats the shit out of veer buries him and it's gunther's raw now all that underground built veer equity turn into gunther no, bury it, bury it in a night. Bury it in one night. Give me Gunther. <laughs> I don't think LA Knight is long for this NXT world. I think he's gonna be called up before Gunther, but I think Gunther's gonna have a nice little NXT run before he comes up. But here's the thing with Gunther: I don't want to rush him. So when they're ready for him, bring him up. That's my thing. And he's ready at any fucking time, in my opinion. He is. The he's Samoa Joe. He's Kevin Owens. He doesn't need to be in NXT for a long time. No, he, he needs does. to be on the main roster. Yeah, but I want them to be ready before he comes, so... They had all the time in the world to get Pete Dunne ready, and then they bring him up and turn him into Butch. Like, don't don't give somebody so much time in NXT and then ruin them with the call-up. Just bring him up now. You've already changed his name into something stupid, but he's still Gunther. He's still Walter. He's still going to kick the shit out of people. So, bring yep. him up. All right, speaking of kicking the shit out of people, Braun fucking Breaker. Braun Breaker versus Dolph Ziggler. With Robert Roode for the NXT title. Braun Breaker was champ for 65 days. Ziggler stole the belt from him in a triple threat match by pitting Ciampa. At the time of Stand and Deliver, Ziggler would be champ for 25 days. Either Braun wins this belt back or he is going to be on a fucking streamline to the main roster. I'm not sure which way I want to go, but I think this match is going to fucking rule. What about you? For some classic Steiner math here, Braun Breaker has about a 50% chance of winning because it's a singles match. But if you throw in uh, Robert Roode and Dolph Ziggler's corner, that probably bumps them up to 66% chance. I don't know. I love Braun Breaker. I kind of wish he would kept would have kept his Steiner name, but I, I get it. You, you're going to cha- change names here. Braun's still very green. You can see that in his matches. You saw that in the triple threat for the title match. He was making some very bad in-ring work. There was a time where he was supposed to go out of a different side of the ring than he did. So instead of just playing it off and going out the wrong side, he decided to flop across the ring and slide out the other side. He's very green still. But that is why you put him with someone like Dolph Ziggler. Because Dolph Ziggler can make anything into a cell. And it's going to be amazing to watch Braun Breaker just beat the crap out of Dolph Ziggler. And I hope he wins the belt back. I want to see 
he he needs more time to develop his in-ring skill and he needs a big win like against someone like Adolph Ziggler who's amazing in the ring absolutely yeah breaker's green but his like intensity's not green his in-ring like acumen's green but his his moveset is is ferocity and his star power and his charisma and all that stuff all the whole it factor is there and it's not necessarily green once he gets his feet under him for a few instant but overall he's having some very good matches for sure the only the only like downside i can see there is the ridge holland situation someone with a lot of strength that gets called up too soon when they're not good in the ring and they break one of your biggest stars necks like Big E. <laughs> Don't do that, Bron. Learn the craft the proper way and then get called up. Intensity's good, but intensity only gets you so far. Ask Ryback. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but this guy's got a lot more than Ryback. I don't know. I think I pretty much think he's going to win the belt and NXT is going to be him and it's going to lead to a big Walter match probably at the end of the summer and that's going to be must-see stuff but overall I think it's been a a success to throw Ziggler in the mix and get him ready and it's yeah on paper if I told you at the Royal Rumble time that Stan and Deliver would be fucking Dolph Ziggler versus Braun Breaker for the title and and Ziggler would be the champ you'd be like uh you're you're uh, you're kind of a dumbass what are we doing what are you talking it's a weird situation but it's gonna work out I feel like it's gonna work out And it has worked out. But you know what's worked out? My time with you, buddy. Great job. Yeah, Yeah, thanks for having me on, man. I'm I'm very excited to do this. I called you Logan. Lewis. Yeah, Logan's the host of our show. What show are you talking about, Lewis, before we get out of here? That show is Highway to the Impact Zone, hosted by Logan Croslin and Jacob Williams. And I'm on there every other episode. Uh, We're in the 2005 summer of TNA Impact right now. Samoa Joe's just debuted, so it's very exciting stuff to watch right now. Raven has the belt. Abyss is going after him for it. That's going to be exciting. It's a really fun show. We're going all the way through tna's run or trying to and and it's finally starting to get good that samoa joe's there now listen in for a good time awesome thank you lewis welcome to day one of wrestlemania we are kicking things off strong right away with the raw women's title match champion becky lynch defending against challenger Bianca Belair, Logan Crossland breaking it down for us. Will Bianca get her revenge? Will Becky big time, Bex big time, the man, whatever she's going by now, will she reign supreme? Logan, break it down for us. We got Logan Crossland. Logan, what is going on, man? Not too much, man. You doing all right tonight? I'm swell. We got Becky Lynch versus Bianca Belair for the Raw Women's title. This started at SummerSlam 2021, of course, where Becky had that beautiful surprise at turn where she filled in for Sasha, who was filled in by Carmella. And those unfortunate twisted events And you had Becky had that big surprise that, in my opinion, worked. But will the payoff work is more like it. So Becky returns at SummerSlam inserts herself into that match and gets a quick 26-second victory over Bianca Belair to win the SmackDown's women title at that time. Belair chases Becky for the belt for a few months after that, but mostly runs into Sasha uh, roadblocks. Uh, Sasha would return at Extreme Rules to cost Belair, and then Sasha would be inserted into a triple threat match at Crown Jewel with Belair and Becky, Becky winning both of those matches. And then they had one 
high-key banger, November 1st episode of Monday Night Raw, where it was an absolutely great match where Becky won with a her hands on the roll. Since then, Bianca has been dipped down the card. She was unsuccessful in the Royal Rumble at a chance to get her shot at, at WrestleMania, and she won the Elimination Chamber at Saudi to become the number one contender for the Raw Women's title. Since then, they don't really need much sizzle on this meal because the meal's already cooked. The meal's ready to be served. Are you ready to eat this Raw Women's title match at WrestleMania, Logan? I might not eat it, Raw, but yeah, I'm looking forward to this match for sure. Like you said, it started at SummerSlam. Uh, I think if this pays off correctly, that'll all be water under the bridge. It kind of pissed a lot of people off at the time that she beat her in 26 seconds. But like like, like you kind of said, if it pay, gets paid off the way you think it's going to get paid off, it'll be all right. Um, but I just I think this will be a solid match. Um, they've been working a lot of stuff around the hair over the last few weeks on TV. She pulled out the hair whip and like made the scars on uh, Becky's torso a couple of weeks ago, or maybe three weeks ago. And then uh, I think two weeks ago, Becky put her uh, head in a chair and used her ponytail to kind of pull her into the ring post and kind of crushed her. They made up some fake injury for what happened to her, but she crushed her larynx or something like that. So um, a lot of hair-based offense. I feel like that's going to play a lot into the match uh, as it comes out at Mania. But yeah, it's been a pretty solid build. And like I said, if it gets paid off the way that we all think it will, uh, it'll be all worth it. Yes, they're already going to the well with the hair. The hair was a great transition in the Sasha match last year. So mm-hmm. dipping dip a little bit back in the well there, but could and should be a staple in big, big Bianca matches. Um, here's some numbers for you. WrestleMania 35 up to the pregnancy angle, 398 days as Raw Women's Champion. SummerSlam 21 to which would be day one of WrestleMania, SmackDown slash Raw, because we had that weird interaction with Charlotte that we're not going to go over, 224 days as SmackDown slash Raw Women's Champion for a total of 622 days straight as an act wrestler for Becky Lynch as a world champion. There's a lot of equity in that. Are we 100% sure that Bianca Belair is walking out of WrestleMania, your Raw Women's Champion? Uh, I, I'm pretty positive it's going to happen. I, like I said, as I was alluding to, that if, if it doesn't pay off that way, I think the 26-second thing is going to piss people off even more because then, you know, Becky's pretty much taken out the rest of the Raw division, and Bianca's kind of the one thing that she hasn't really beaten fairly, I, I guess I'll say. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think that Bianca kind of has to win here. It kind of makes her look like a goof uh, and that she can't beat the top star that uh, Becky Lynch is. Or... Can I paint another picture for you? Could it be a vehicle for Bianca to possibly turn heel? For Bianca to have enough of the bullshit and to really, I don't want to say elevator character, but change direction with her character. Is there any lane for that? Or is she just, same game plan as last year, same playbook, you're a babyface with the big win, you're a braid, swinging babyface, and the fans love you. Is that the lane? Or do we get a little dark here with... Because we might say Montez is getting a little dark, too. So is that a direction that they go? Or are they just happy-go-lucky, let's pay off the 26 seconds and see where it goes? 
No, nah, I mean, uh, I think Bianca's got to win. Uh, I do think that there is equity in a heel turn for Bianca at some point, but I think she could do that as champion. But, I mean, I think there's maybe the slightest chance Becky walks out here uh, with the title, but I, I'm kind of doubting it at this point. I think Bianca has to, has to win it here. And then maybe, you know, she could have a program with uh, Liv or somebody like that afterwards, and she could start to kind of switch switch sides a little bit. All right, I will say this is a pillar match for WrestleMania, one of the bigger ones. So mm-hmm. there's always they always have a oh wow I didn't see that coming victory out of, out of one of these big title matches. My guard is up a little bit, but I'm going 75. Ah fuck, I'm going 80 percent that Bianca wins, and Bianca should win to to p- fulfill that story. Yeah, 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 and I, I you could probably pull that off with the other women's title match. Uh, I mean, I feel like Ronda almost kind of has to win too, but I think you could probably sneak a Charlotte victory in there a little bit more than you could with this one. But I'd probably go uh, maybe ninety ten uh, Bianca on this one. And real quick, we're we recording this before the last Monday Night Raw before WrestleMania. Do you see them adding a stipulation with a straight ahead singles match here? Uh, just a straight-ahead singles match. They might have a face-off and have an, one last little brawl, but uh, straight-up is what, the way to go. All right, Logan, that's going to have it for this match. Do you want to plug anything before we get out of here? Uh, from Square Circle to Silver Screen, I do that with uh, the Cowboy Roger Moore set. Uh, we look at movies featuring wrestlers or sometimes about wrestling. Um, our mo- most recent episode will have been uh, The Suicide Squad featuring John Cena. We kind of dove into that and a little bit into... Um, uh, the Peacemakers series that uh, they made off of that movie. And then Cronoso Daily comes out every day. Me and Junie Smith are a team while everybody else kind of does the solo thing. Me and her weren't uh, totally into the solo idea, so we decided to make a little bit of a team there. So uh, I'm on those two pods here on the No-So. So look, check those out. Awesome. All right, Logan, thank you very much, buddy. Appreciate it. Next, the SmackDown Tag Team Championship the Usos, everybody's favorite tag team, the Usos, uh, they have been champions, I feel like, in perpetuity forever. Uh, they will be defending against the team of Shinsuke Nakamura and Rick Boogs. Peter Winson breaking it down for us. Will the Usos retain? Will Rick Boogs win a championship? How much further down the card can Shinsuke Nakamura slide? Peter, it's all yours. All right, we're here with Peter Winston. Pete, what's going on, man? Uh, not much. Uh, believe it or not, despite the fact that I am constantly talking about wrestling from 30 years ago, I'm actually kind of looking forward to this WrestleMania coming up in Dallas or Arlington, Texas. Excuse me. Oh, come on. Don't, don't disrespect the locals. But, yeah, that's... Uh... That's surprising to hear, believe it or not. Yeah, I, I mean, there there are certain guys that, I mean, I know everybody rolls their eyes at the whole Brock versus Roman thing, but I'm very excited to see Roman's uh, little buddies, the Usos, because uh, I have them as one of the 10 best tag teams of all time in WWE. So I, th- I, mean, I say that's warranted. Yeah, I mean, let's let's I was thinking about them the other day and I thought, they were, they were there at, like, WrestleMania 26. And how yeah. often do you see, I mean, yeah, usually when you see a team that's together for a very long time, it is brothers like this. But, you know, often something happens, and, yeah, one of them's gotten injured or decided to drive when they shouldn't have decided to drive. And, you know, but still, they, they carry on, 
at a high level, and you could argue that this is among the best runs of their career as they're elevated just by standing next to Roman, by being part of his his oeuvre during all of this. I mean, just as the guy, I I know there's been a lot of champions who have had people run interference for them. I mean, that was pretty much every Jinder Mahal match in 2017, but there's some about they're, they're they've been an established tag team for a long time and constantly in the title picture and they're very good at what they do and they don't annoy me like certain other undersized tag teams that i'm not going to name that might be in other competing promotions at this time with tassels and stuff uh something like that yeah yeah you talked about their heralded success on wrestlemania day one what's just matches slated for they were tag team champions for 182 days i mean i don't really even think of them as like any particular run i just think of like the the longevity of it because like yeah uh, you know i talk about you know like i said crap from 25 30 years ago but like the teams that existed then like, they didn't have as long a runs as you might have thought. Like, Demolition was here and gone in, like, three and a half years, pretty much. But the, these guys, like I said, they've been there now over over a decade. And I, I don't feel like I'm sick of them or, or anything. And they've had good matches. They've had great matches with a huge variety of opponents at this point. I didn't, I didn't think I was going to be discussing about the Usos, but I, I, I really enjoy their work. In the ring and the character work. Everything else, eh, you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll leave that unsaid. What do you think of the team on the other side of the ring here? With Shinsuke Nakamura, who they seem halfway invested in without fully giving any, like, substance to. Like, they'll give him a crown, they'll give him a shit intercontinental title run, and then they'll pair him up with, like, a, a young guy in Rick Boogs who is, like, rock and roll, death metal, Freddie Mercury with muscles and a singlet. Uh, so that's like, yeah, we like these guys. We like the act. We like the entrance. Do you see these two guys coming together and kind of dethroning the Usos that you were so heralded about? Um, I'm not seeing it necessarily, although you, you never you never can tell. They're the baby faces in this case. And, you know, at WrestleMania, you, you, you tend to lean towards the baby faces winning. But this this Boogs fella is very interesting to me. On a lot of different levels, starting with the fact that I constantly read his name as Boggs, because I I just think, oh, well, there's some sort of Wade Boggs character, and they've rebooted Abe Knuckleball Schwartz. No, they've actually rebooted Van Hammer, but this one actually has a lot of things going for him. You know, he's you know he's a pretty powerful dude and could do a few things in the ring, and having him there with Nakamura, who is a completely, you know, uh, when he came over. In 2016, I was I was so excited for for what was going to happen. I went to a couple of NXT shows when he was there during during 2016, and uh, you know I I wasn't sure what I expected, but deep down I didn't know if like a a, a Japanese wrestler coming over was going to be at a tippy top main event level that. I saw like I saw him as like an incredible rock star type with the way that he carried himself in yes. New Japan earlier in the decade. And I mean I'm not a huge New Japan guy, but he is one of the guys that during that time period I would actually tune in to, you know, the the access channel that you know, that would have been his last year in New Japan. 
And again, I don't know what I was expecting necessarily, but in looking back through the six years, I mean, I guess it's okay. I I mean, I know that that seems damning with faint praise, but I also, at this point in my life, I'm like, hey, he's making bank and yes. he seems to be having fun. And I guess he may have he may have re-upped at, at some point in time because I'm pretty sure he didn't sign a contract this long. So more more power to him. And, you know, he's doing what he likes right here, I can assume. And I'm I'm certainly not gonna argue with that. But as for as for this match, uh, yeah, it will be interesting to see him in there with the Usos. Uh, I mean, it's not exactly like a dream match that I've been, you know, salivating for for years and years. But it's something that's at least going to hold my interest in spite of the fact that our build was basically a, oh, I'm really hurt. No, I beat you in a singles match. So now I get a title shot at WrestleMania. I mean, it's a little rushed. But again, I'm I'm trying not to ask for too much here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, the more you get, the more in the weeds you get. But if the Usos were to go on and drop the belts, so to speak, would that be a precursor to the Brock Roman finish? Do you think? I'm not sure that one would necessarily have to do with the other. Although they're them being on separate nights. Yes, that's. I get. I guess would open the door for them to be done. I, Honestly, though, I, I just see their involvement in a WrestleMania main event as being nothing more than if they made an appearance that Brock would just throw them around and it wouldn't factor too much into the finish because I see a covenant say get the fuck out of here. Yeah, uh, I I, th- I think Brock would would handle himself in that case, and with everything that's built up to that match. And, you know, I'm not here to talk about that one. I, w- I would assume that it would be at least a semi-clean finish. And, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. All right, well, that's the SmackDown Tag Team title match for you, Pete. I appreciate it. What do you want to throw at us before we get out of here? Well, my original flagship podcast, Greeks Valentown, is on hiatus at the moment. Uh, but I've been doing uh, GFA Live with my good pal, Keithy. And we've been going through early 1992 WWF week to week. And we are leading up to WrestleMania 8 as part of our current project. So do check that out, especially if you like Sopranos and Goodfellas drops in the middle of the show. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you get plenty of those. But otherwise, it is great nostalgia for that era. And you guys are just well entrenched in 1992 wrestling, pop culture, everything. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks, Ryan. Now, what would WrestleMania be without a Baron Corbin match? I guess he's happy Corbin now, but still, it's still to say, you put a new coat of paint on him, it's still Baron Corbin. We've been treated to such delights as Baron Corbin and Kurt Angle. Baron Corbin, I can't even remember who he fought last year. But at this WrestleMania, it's going to be happy Corbin going up against Drew McIntyre. And to do that, we got Tim, not the tool man, Taylor, breaking it down. Happy Corbin. Drew McIntyre. Is this a waste of Drew? Is Corbin overachieving? Should Corbin not be on the card? Tool man, take it away. Tim, not the tool man, Taylor. What's going on, man? Not much. How are you doing? Good, good. So we got Happy Corbin versus Drew McIntyre. 
This feud started back around December-ish over Happy and Madcap mocking Drew for not being in the number one contender battle royal. Seems seems like an elegant way to start a feud. But anyways, Drew faces Madcap two times on pay-per-view. One the first time at day one, second time at Elimination Chamber, and a kind of sneaky, low-key, decent banger for Madcap Moss. Now the big hook for this feud is that Happy Corbin is undefeated since turning happy. And that's all we got for the build of this feud. <laughs> are you How excited are you for Drew McIntyre versus Happy Corbin with that kind of build? I'm actually very excited. Um, I try to find myself as, as positive as possible when looking at things because it just makes everything a little more palatable. Um, I agree. When, when you start to actively think on like dunking something for the, the sake of dunking on it, it just kind of uh, it sours your outlook on everything else. Um, I agree. One thing you did miss is their actual third matchup on a premium live event where Drew McIntyre head dumped Madcap Moss in Saudi Arabia um, on. Yes, but uh, neither here nor there. I'm very excited about this because surprisingly or not, Baron Corbin shows up at WrestleMania. Uh, He mentioned it on SmackDown, I think, two weeks ago. Where his WrestleMania debut, he wins the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. Check. And then a couple of years later, he puts Kurt Angle into retirement. Double so, check. Um, we're not going to talk about that one time he lost the Intercontinental title to Dean Ambrose. That never happened. But, lost to Elias. Yeah, that too. Um, but it really is going to be a matchup that boils down to does Happy Corbin hit the end of days? Okay, so that is yet to have been kicked out since the start of him on the main roster, or even before that in NXT. Are they going to cash that in this time around at WrestleMania for a big moment, you think? I don't think so. Like, Because if you think about it, the closest we've ever been to a move being as protected as end of days, you got to go back to like... The perfect plex. Yes. Hulk kicked out of it. Warrior kicked out of it. I think Brett kicked out of it. Okay. But it's like a handful. It's like literally you could probably count on one hand the number of people who actually kicked out of the perfect plex. And I feel like the only time you can really have this be ruined is and I feel like we're going to get there at some point just because we typically do with all characters in the WWE where happy Baron Corbin is champion like Oof. universal or WWE champion you're getting in some water there buddy you no can't... I believe this are I you th- thinking uh Corbin's gonna take this win I think Baron Corbin beats Drew McIntyre at Wrestlemania Guys, that is a bold claim. I'm very high on Baron Corbin. I've I've always been a very, very pro Baron Corbin, happy Corbin guy. I love the lone wolf stuff in NXT. I loved it in the beginning with his run in WWE. I love the sad Corbin stuff. I think that's (laughs) some of the best character work in WWE over the last like 10 years. 
while I don't necessarily care for like the Mad Cat Moss pairing, I think it's actually good that Happy Corbin's got a heater and somebody that he can throw in the way of major challengers. And I kind of, I think it really speaks to where the company sees Happy Corbin because Drew McIntyre is not just some guy. No, he's a, who, he's a stud. Yeah, he's on the short list of guys. It's been mentioned before. It's like if you've went, if you've won the WWE Championship before, you can win it again. Drew's done that. He is a perennial uh, main event competitor, and it just so happens that you know he's been tied up here to keep his eyes off of Roman Reigns, and rightfully so. Um, but I, I foreshadow Happy Corbin picking up what some would call an upset victory over Drew. That. I think this is going to be a low-key, like, sneaky, good WrestleMania. Like, I don't give star grades, but if I were to, I would say it's like, I think it's going to end up being, like, in the three, three and a half star range. That's um, very good. Yeah, I think it's going to be sneaky good. Um, better than I think that a lot of people are going to expect from them. Just because Drew won't let something suck and Baron is better than people really give him credit for. I'll give you that. But um, yeah, you hear to hear first, guys. Go to your local bookie and put in that big, big number on the plus side for Baron Corbin. And you might make yourself some scratch at this year's WrestleMania. Yeah, go to DraftKings.com and use promo code not the tool man to get... I don't know. There's nothing like that. But either way... Um, there could be after this episode, Eric. You know... I'm the I'm the Swami, just uh... Swami. <laughs> All right, hey, real quick, what well, last time I had you on this podcast was for SummerSlam. I sent you a picture at SummerSlam with the sword as a blowed up like action figure type of thing. How much was that actual blowed up sword, the SummerSlam Superstar? Do you remember? <sighs> no. It was twenty dollars. And do you, how much of them do you think they sold that this sword is back in action? I have no clue. <laughs> Me either, but the sword's still a thing, man. We'll see. All right, you're here to hear first, guys. Happy Corbin defeats Drew McIntyre at WrestleMania 39. Tim Dr. Toolman Taylor, what do you have to plug before we get out of here? Uh, here on the North-South Connection, Viewer's Choice. It airs immediately after every WWE, AEW, and NXT pay-per-view. Uh, Marcus and I are going to combine WrestleMania Night 1 and Night 2 into one super large, massive podcast. But also, before then, we will be doing Stand and Deliver as well that is airing the Saturday afternoon before WrestleMania Saturday. So I'm going to have uh, – I've been away from podcasting for a little bit, Took myself, gave myself a little break get creative-wise. I'm ready to jump back in and do some things with uh, Viewer's Choice here on the North-South Connection. Um, before I let you go – you told me you had some Mad Cat Moss-style jokes. I want your best one right now before we go to the next one. What is a criminal found not guilty having common with the main event of WrestleMania? I don't know. They are both going to get off scot-free. <laughs> Tim, thank you, buddy. Thank you. Seth Rollins versus... I don't know! Andy Atherton, what's going on, man? Hey, Ryan. Uh, WrestleMania season, man. I'm happy 
to be here to, to talk about one of my favorite wrestlers, another one who I like. I don't love him, but uh, I'm you know glad I get to be a part of this and uh, give some thoughts. Cool. I didn't know Vacant was your favorite wrestler. <laughs> yeah. So we ended up with Seth Rollins versus, we proceed to be Cody Rhodes. I think it's not much of a mystery, but we're going to go with it. We're going to play the game, and it is what it is. It's part of the spectacle. It's WrestleMania. All bets are off. You never know what's going to happen at this show. Now, which one was your favorite wrestler? Seth Rollins? Rollins is one of my favorite guys, in the ring at least. Yeah, he's one of my son's favorites. So I, I like the guy in ring. I think he's uh, kind of miscast at times. Yep. But I, I think he's embraced this character, and he, it, the, the ridiculousness, the silliness. He's a guy, you might want to say he's bulletproof, because they can cool him off, heat him up. That's why he's in this spot, I think. Basically telling the story by himself right now. I mean, yeah, there's some players here and there to, to help it move along, but that's why he's in this spot. And he could take what's going to happen, I think, as a result in this uh, this matchup mania. Yeah, he's in a pretty good stretch. You say it's up and down, and that's probably the best way to put it. But, you know, ever kind of since he last year's WrestleMania with the Cesaro stuff, he's been in a pretty good groove where he's caught his footing and his character work has been, you know, he's found his lane with it. And it's not so wonky and it's not so I don't know, embarrassing, I guess is the best way to put it. <laughs> but, you know, you don't want to beat around the bush. It was, it was pretty rough for a while or he's poking out eyes and he's had no real connection or whatever. But he's found his footing and, you know, he is, he is a top five player in the wwe and he should be a top five player in the wwe yeah definitely definitely in between the ropes there's there's not a lot of guys that can match him you know aj you know there, there are a lot of guys there you know what look here's the thing a lot of people when people get down on wwe it's not for the in-ring you know no. it's for the booking it's for some of the character stuff for some of the questionable things the in-ring is is good it's always been good and this guy is one of your top guys although i'm not a fan of the buckle bomb at all moves that look too real or or look like they hurt too much to me like just kind of make me cringe a little bit as a wrestling fan it makes me like the same thing with apron stuff sometimes sometimes i mean some guys can can get away with it but you know just i think the buckle bomb you know say what you want about sting whether it really did lead to him having to retire for a short while i, I just didn't like it you know and everything would happen with finn but other than that though i i love the guy in the ring yeah, he's one of those guys, he could face a big guy and make it awesome. He could face a cruiserweight and just, and hang. He's kind of one of those flexible guys that can work up and down the card and is believable in any role that he gets on the stick, in the ring, whatever. He's solid. But did you know he had a meeting with Vince McMahon this morning? I did in that, not. In that meeting, Vince informed him that he does indeed have a WrestleMania match this year. And, you know, why is he jumping through so many hoops to go find a WrestleMania match when all he had to do was come in? Ask Vince himself. Yeah I, yeah, I did check that out. They played it on uh, on Monday Night Raw. Yeah, he shows up to the WWE headquarters at almost like a little before seven in the morning for a nine a.m. meeting, and they keep him waiting all that time. I thought I thought that was pretty funny. And then you know Vince is just sitting there, basically not even acknowledging that he's in the room. And I thought this was Vince at his kind of restrained best. He's not the you know who do you think you are, pal. <laughs> That, that guy, or even Seth breaks out, uh, you know, I thought you would bring him here for, you're hired. <laughs> but, um, no, it, it was really, it was really good. And, and Seth, you know, kind of, kind of makes Seth feel uh, a little, little silly, a little, you know, a little dumb, but also a little like redeemed a little yep. bit. I, I'm wondering if this could possibly lead to a Seth face turn. 
Because Vince right now is, I would guess, a tweener. You know, he's a good guy when he wants to be. He's a dick when he wants to be. You know, he flips. That, but that's Vince, though. He's a puzzle mover, you know? Yeah, so. yeah. He's there. Exactly. You need you need Vince to be a jerk. He's a jerk. You need him to be like, get the fans behind him and do something that they're going to like. He That's what he can do. That's, he knows that now in his stage of his life that that's what his role is, what he does come on screen. Oh, yeah. He's the man still. Mm-hmm. But the other guy here. Mm. All right. No more beating around the bush. It's Cody Rhodes. You know, if it's not Cody Rhodes, I'd be very, very surprised. Two things. I'm very curious about the presentation of Cody Rhodes. I'm pretty curious of what they do with him. And I'm curious of where they slot him and how hard they push him and his reaction to it all. Because he's going to get scripted promos or he's going to get bullet points. He's not going to be writing his own storylines in his own Cody universe and doing weird things that he's been doing in the last year of AEW. <laughs> does have a skill set to be a very, very good professional wrestler or and a very, very good, you know, quote unquote, sports entertainer. So I'm curious of how well this is gonna go and i kind of have high hopes for it but you know i do want to be like all right a little jaded based off the last full year and change that he had in aw where he was totally in outer space pretty much doing his own thing and it was more miss than hit yeah cody all right look i like cody i I always liked him i do kind of like his moveset in the ring a couple of thoughts I had about him in AEW. One, yes, he was the veteran. Him and if it was for him and Jericho, they wouldn't have gone off the ground. But on the other hand, when you look at at the people that he really founded, which Jericho wasn't really part of the the crew that founded it. it was it was Cody, the Bucks, Kenny Omega. It's like which one of these doesn't belong? Which one of these is not the same? It's it's Cody. Cody's not from the same part of the system, I guess. Japan, Indies, and all that. Cody came up through. Uh, you know, he was a second generation guy. He came up through the WWE. And, you know, he's he's a good wrestler, but he was never that. He's not your top guy. Sorry. You know, this is a huge get for Vince. I'm not going to compare it to the late, great Scott Hall showing up in WCW on Nitro. But this is kind of the first shot. This is the first thing to go in the other direction over the last since AEW has formed. There hasn't been anybody that's really come this way for the most part, as far as I, I can recall. I mean, I've been watching along. So, and, and Cody is going to be present as a big deal. I'm sure that, you know, him and Vince got together, you know, long relationship with his dad, with Dust and all that, that there's a respect there. Here's the thing. It's, it's going to be a big moment at Mania. It's going to be a big pop. I, I dare say a very large pop. Is it going to be the Hardys in Orlando at WrestleMania 33? No. It's going to be hard-pressed to match that. And if Cody or Vince think that's going to happen, they have a screw loose. Cody will get a big cheer. He will. The the place is going to pop big for him. But he's not as beloved as the Hardys were. The Hardys were so friggin' over, and it was, you know, they were missed. Has Cody really been missed by the WWE? Not really. I I mean... I think, you know, he's a good guy. He's a guy that they would like to have back in the fold. I bet they want to have Dustin back in for one day, maybe, you know, just because of, of Dusty. But give Cody a chance to shine. Give him something to do that he never did. He wasn't really at the top of the card. He kind of adjacent to it when he was part of Legacy. But I think Cody's going to come in. He's going to get a big entrance. He's going to get presented probably very similar similarly to how he was in AEW, whether they call him the American Nightmare. I don't know. Whether they put makeup on that for cock to neck tattoo of his guy, we all hope. But That's what I'm gonna, gonna ask next. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna he's gonna come out. Cody is really good. He does know how to soak up the moment. 
you know, one of those things that they you when you see like the backstage stuff of them when they're in NXT when they're teaching guys about the moment, when when st- people like Austin like Hunter when they talk about it and soaking it in, taking that time and letting the crowd really get to a feverish pitch and, and get in your hands. Cody knows how to do that. He will soak it in. The place will go. And when he gets in the ring, it's going to go even louder. Seth will play his part. Great. His character, I think. And, you know, Cody, Cody's got to go over here in, in this match. It, like I said, Seth can take this loss, but you can't, you can't do this, all this pomp and circumstance, not for him to go over. It's like, imagine what if the Hardys didn't win you know, the belts that night. It, come on. Yeah. As we wrap up with Cody's ceiling being like the Drew McIntyre mold and his floor being like, I don't know, like Del Rio in like 15. <laughs> yeah. I, I think he's going to kind of being like an above Christian return to, from TNA. Like, I think he'll be a little bit above that. I think he'll be like maybe like 75 percent of Drew. He might get a title run. He might get he'll be a contender for a while. He'll be using the upper mid card. He'll probably find himself in the Kevin Owens role is my guess. So depending coming out of this match, he's going to have a chance to be elevated and be successful, and, and we'll see, Andy. I think he's going to have a good run. I, I, I have a high hopes for, for Cody. I think Vince is behind him. I think as, as long as they don't make him out to be a bigger deal than he is yet, just because that was the trappings in AEW. People, like, did not give a shit, really. <laughs> that, you know, it, it was just like, it was just, he was he was kind of cooked over there. He served his purpose. He was and I. I think they move. I think that the crowd there moved on. They're like, we don't want to see this guy. You know, as much as Cody is a founding father, AEW, he's got that WWE kind of not say stink on him, but you know, he's he's a WWE guy. You know, he's he's not like for me. Like I look at him and I look at Omega and I look at the Bucks and I think about those as a group. And I'm like, yeah, he's he's over on the side. The other guys are the, are the guys are hanging. The the Bullet Club guys and the Japan guys. These are the guys that I think should be together. And, and Cody was good and just keep his wife the hell away from it yeah yeah that's i i 100 agree there the tattoos gotta go and the wife gotta go but other than that i'm ready for him all right andy thank you very much what are you gonna plug before we get out of here buddy uh just check me out over on the place me pop experience have uh lots of shows dropping whether it's pop goes to the couch which is our weekly review of streaming shows uh laugh in theater will be dropping the muppet pod disney pod year and pop will be back uh, I do pop up on the PlayStation Wrestling Network from time to time with a couple of shows here and there. Pet is still on part of that crew. You and I and Logan did a great show together. Uh, great wrestling, great debate, and uh, evolution. So uh, check that out. Yeah, I had, a, I had a great time, Ryan. Thank you for letting me be a part of this. Awesome. All right, guys. Thank you very much. The New Day versus Sheamus and Ridge Holland with Butch. All right, we're here with Scott Shitliff. Scott, what's going on, man? Ryan, I'm glad to be here today. Uh, we're going to talk about WrestleMania match that may or may not happen. But first, buddy, like, our predictions, like, I think we only got one right. Yeah, we only got one right. Edge versus Orton. Hopefully it's the match of the night, so we have something to hang our hat on. But, hey, if, if you want to hear us fail miserably, Survivor's Theories preview, Vengeance preview, go listen to those as we predicted the WrestleMania 38 card twice, and somehow we did it twice, and we only got one or so right. But, hey, we did okay. <laughs> yeah, I think we had, like, talks around, like, the Bellas were going to have a tag team match because we thought that after the Rumble. It, it was just, it was, it was all bad. We had Goldberg and Big E, and neither of them were around. But I mean, speak, but speaking Big of E, just e, breaks my heart. Speaking of 
speaking of Big E, that sucks. It's sad. It's unfortunate. I think if Big E was healthy right now, we'd, we'd actually have an actual match to talk about. We have the New Day versus Fight Night, which is Sheamus, Ridge Holland, and our boy Butch. Hey, hey, let's give ourselves a little round of applause. We expected big things for Ridge Holland, and we've got some, kind of. You know, we got a spot for him. Do you expect this to be a handicap match, a two-on-two match with someone on the outside? Uh, do you expect this to be a six-man match with, like, maybe like a legend like, say, Booker T filling in? What, you know, what, what do you expect here? Well, here's what I'm thinking. I think it's going to be a tag tag match with King Woods and Kofi versus Sheamus and Ridge with Butch on the outside. And I think Kofi and King Woods win. And then when they're walking back up the ramp, that's when Big E comes out. Sort of like uh, I'm parroting directly when uh, Gargano beat Adam Cole at WrestleMania a couple years ago. And then like he's with Candice LeRae going up the ramp and Chapa comes out and they all hug. I feel they're going to do something like that. Very cool. And Big E deserves that round of applause. He deserves that moment. And that's a great idea. Good call. I wouldn't rule out King Booker teaming with King Woods. And it's in Texas. Booker's from Texas. They always talk about King Booker. They always, they've always they done stuff with Booker T. That's just someone... I was spitballing with our buddy Marcus. We kind of formulated that idea. So I was like, oh, that's kind of a cute idea. So I don't. I wouldn't rule something like that. Well, if, if it's not King Booker, is there you know anyone else that off the top of your head that you could fill in there that would be kind of worthy for this match? None that I can think of. And I like the King Booker idea because I know you've already spoken about this uh, with the Kevin Owens and Stone Cold. I'm worried that Texas legends are going to try to get involved because KO's been shitting on the state of Texas, and I don't want Booker, JBL, or even Shawn Michaels to get involved in their encounter since we can't call it a match. So that would be perfect to have him be out in Texas. They can set it up next week on SmackDown. I know that's like the prologue to the Royal Rumble. Yeah, so we can just have that set up and keep him away from that and just have it be KO and Stone Cold instead of like KO taking all the Texas legends finishers. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I agree. Oh, that's just something we spitball. But either way, we got a match. Hopefully, we it ha- at the time of recording, it hasn't been announced. So if something gets announced by the time of this of you listening to this, well, that's on us. <laughs> but uh, you know, we took our chance. We we recorded it a little bit early. Nothing was announced on SmackDown, so it is what it is. And we're going forward. Where do you see? Fight Night in the New Day post this match. Do you think that Fight Night has legs as a group? Do you think that? What do you think? The, and what do you think the New Day do? Um, I'm gonna start with Fight Night first. I'm really intrigued with them. I, I like uh, Butch, aka Pete Dunn. Um, you know, I like Rich Holland. I think he has a lot of upside. I know he hurt Biggie, like broke his neck. So hopefully that he doesn't go like the D'Lo Brown route, where like he's. Like he just ban. I mean, there's no velocity or anything or heat to banish them to. I still hope he gets an you know a shot. But uh, I've always liked Sheamus when he's in a tag team. So I think him being with this tag team is like you know being the old guard to mentor these two new new young guys could be fun. I would be honest. I would send the New Day to Raw. I feel they they need a tag team. SmackDown is pretty loaded with tag teams, like with with the War Raiders, the Usos, Fight Night, uh, Los Lotharios. Shinsuke and, and Boogs. So I feel like it's kind of top-heavy. We can send them to Raw and be a tag team, and they can just dominate there. I know Usos and New Day have great chemistry, but it's sort of hitting Orton-Cena levels for me, where it's like, how many times can we do the same match? Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Fight Nights. I like the Fight Night look. I like the Fight Night name. I like the 
presentation of them together. The Butch name's terrible. Why can't they give him a surname? Why can't it be Butch Dunn? They alluded to a little bit that it's its nickname, so they can always go back to the Pete Dunn thing, so it's not like, oh my, the world is ending. But I like the presentation. I'm, it's, it's just a little jarring of how small Pete Dunn is compared to everyone. But it is what it is. But overall, I, I anticipate this should be good WrestleMania filler. That's how I look at that. This this is going to be good WrestleMania filler. I don't expect a great match. I don't expect garbage. It should just be solid WrestleMania filler. Yeah, and I, I do believe, I know this match has been announced, but I do believe that Kofi, Sheamus, and, and Woods has done enough for WWE that, you know, they, they should get a match, and they're not in the token. Andre the Giant, Memorial Battle Royal, which sadly the U.S. champion is in, which yeah. makes it look like a joke in my opinion. Yeah, but hey, it is what it is. They're, but they're not in the graphics, so hopefully they get the, their match. But all right, we got to get out of here. What do you got going on in your neck of the woods? Oh, um, you can find me all over the place. Um, I'm going to start with Pop Goes to the Couch. We are coming back with Moon Knight. That should be, that's going to be kicking off um, at the end of March. Um, and then we got uh, Battlestrong 25th Century with Sean and uh, Croc and Roll. We're in April in 1986, uh, the first Crockett Cup that we're working on right now. That's awesome, and uh, we're on PTV and Pedestal together. Uh, Ryan, we haven't done an episode together yet, but we're both one of the rotating um, co-hosts for that, and I'm on PTB and YouTube Roulette with uh, Sean, Logan, Matt Souza, and and Jambalaya Jake. That's basically Mystery Science Theater 3000 with us discussing wrestling and and finding the weirdest matches that we can find. The last episode we watched, um, Abdullah the Butcher versus Zeus in Puerto Rico from 1990, and that was a sight to behold. And then that's the episode you listen to, you watch Kevin Steen versus El Generico. <laughs> so yes, in that same one. Variety show, it's awesome. It's one of my favorite shows that you guys do over there. Thank you so much, Ryan. All right, Scott, thank you very much, buddy. Thank you. And of course, what would WrestleMania be without a celebrity appearance? The son and stepfather team of Rey Mysterio and Dominic Mysterio going up against The Miz and Logan Paul. Miz continuing his streak of wrestling celebrities. Last year it was Bad Bunny. A couple years before it was John Cena and Nikki Bella. This time he's tagging with Logan Paul in a match with super high stakes against Rey Mysterio and Dominic Mysterio. Obviously, The one and only Johnny C is the only one to handle a match of this magnitude. Mysterios, Paul, Miz, man, I bet they they wish they had the other Paul. My God, they would have paid good money for that other Paul. Johnny, take it away. All right, we are here with Johnny C. Johnny C, are you excited for Miz, Logan Paul versus the Mysterios or what? I am so hyped. Uh, My erection barely fits in my pants, Ryan. What else is new? All right, so this this whole feud started post-Royal Rumble. Well, Ray was announced for the WWE 2K video game, and The Miz felt slighted. Miz would go on to have a series of matches with both these guys and end up getting both of these guys ejected from ringside, leading into their Elimination Chamber match, which happened to be on the pre-show. Johnny, did you watch Elimination Chamber by any chance? Yeah, I did. We did an entire fucking podcast about it, Ryan. Get your head out of your ass. That was my way of plugging it, dude. I know. It was a good time. Yeah, I, ba- I barely came in at the last minute. I missed the pre-show match, but I did catch the sweet Miz promo about, I've got a friend, and I hypothesized it might have been Cody Rhodes, but it's not. 
That's what I was getting to also, Johnny, at the Elimination Chamber. Now, after Dominic helped Ray win this match, The Miz felt that he needed backup. He felt that this Mysterio feud was not over. And he needed backup, and that backup was going to be revealed on the next Monday Night Raw. And leading into this Monday Night Raw, everyone speculated, oh, this is going to be the Cody spot. And little did we know, we did know soon after this because it was spoiled because it's the internet, but it was going to be Logan Paul, and it was announced as Logan Paul, Mrs. Backup. Uh, I was hoping for either Mr. Mizanin or Ralphus, but, you know, Logan Paul is a good choice. Um, He's got a lot of clout in the world that WWE really loves to uh, get in bed with. He's got that social media presence. Um, I know him mostly as a first-rate Pokemon master, but apparently he punches people for money as well. So go figure. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I know who Logan Paul is, um, and you know, it is what it is. Him and the Miz are a perfect alignment. There's no doubt. It really is the best ingredients for a good celebrity wrestler tag team. There hasn't really been much substance or much of a direction since the announcement, other than just some physicality. Between Logan and the Mysterios, and, and I'm not going to lie, Logan looked pretty good in the ring. Like you just mentioned, he is a boxer, and, you know, a quote-unquote boxer, and he's a pretty big athletic guy. You know, he's, he looks bigger than the Miz, and he's about double the size of Ray. But, Johnny, I have high hopes for this. Coming off the bag, Bunny match last year with Miz, and just with the Mysterios being good hands and everything. And I think Logan is in a good spot to have a little shine here, and I think this is kind of the start of his WWE career. What say you? Man, I don't know. Like I it's kind of crazy because I feel like he's almost better off without a full-time career. But and I don't mean that to slight the pro- I mean obviously I love wrestling, but I just like I don't know. I feel like the longer he sticks around, the less his clout carries him and you actually have to be a decent wrestler. Um that being said, it's a great opportunity for them to get some quick media coverage, you know, everybody I I have a theory that it's just going to be a simple ordinary Let's make sure we get Logan Paul kicked in the face with a 619 so we can put it on SportsCenter and on our YouTube channel. Um, but I do think there is a better solution to this matchup, if you could just let me indulge for a moment. So let's hear Logan. it, buddy. All right. So as we all know, your standard Pokemon battles are 2v2, much like a regular tag team match. And each Pokemon has a certain typing. All right. Logan Paul would definitely be a fighting type. And I think the Miz is kind of a toxic personality, so he'd be a poison type. Now, Rey Mysterio is a flying type. Uh, He's aerial. He's an aerial combatant. Well, poison doesn't do anything to flying, and he actually, fighting is resisted by flying. So Rey Mysterio is in the best spot. He doesn't have any weaknesses, but his son Dominic is a quick little bastard. He's a lightning type. And guess what, Ryan? We all know that flying is weak to lightning. Could we possibly see a world where Dominic finally makes the turn and becomes sort of Logan Paul's junior social media intern influencer type character? This Dominic Mysterio character is going nowhere. OK, I- I'm sorry. Like, it's not going to happen. I agree. And you might as well, all, all stupid Pokemon jokes aside, but Dominic should turn on Ray and. I know Austin Theory kind of has the cell phone thing going, but I'm literally thinking, like, you said, could this be the beginning of Logan Paul's career? Could we turn Dominic and get Logan to commit to maybe one YouTube video a month with Dominic? I don't know. Like, to use it to your advantage, if he wants to be involved, make a wrestler a better character. 
I know the Shawn Michaels and Triple H were already big-time characters for the most part back at WrestleMania DX rated. But coming out with Tyson put them in the USA Today, which I know doesn't carry much clout now, but you better believe I ripped that paper out of my dad's hand and cut it out and put it on my little poster board wall when he turned heel and joined DX. You got to get these guys on these videos. Being the elite is a big thing, right? Why not just have Logan Paul and Dominic and Miz do some social media shit? I don't know. I, I think everybody gets the point. That's just, I would love to see it happen. I'd love to see something change. You're bringing yeah. the heat, and I love it. I think it's a great opportunity. I think Dominic's character needs to change, and I think this needs to be the pivot. And I'm for it. I'm 100% what you said. Let's go with it. Some signed, sealed, and delivered, Johnny. But I'm telling you, if it doesn't happen, laugh your, you're going to laugh and say, Johnny C said it right here. It's just... Make sure we 619 him so we can get it on SportsCenter. That's all the match is going to be. A four-second clip of Logan getting kicked in the face or a badass heel turn. Or both, hopefully. All right, Johnny. Hey, thank you very much. What else you got on here on the network real quick? I'm about to drop a bombshell, Ryan. I've got some huge North-South news that is debuting here first. Can you believe it? So everybody recognizes me from WCW Must Die and Johnny C in the Multiverse of Fabulousness which usually comes to you in the middle of the week on Wednesday. Well, we all know the most important day of the week is the first day of the week, which is why, starting after Mania, Johnny C is going to be blasting your ears three out of four Sundays a month with WCW Must Die, Multiverse of Fabulousness, and who knows what else, probably another WCW Must Die, but you never know. I might eat some paint chips and come up with a crazy new concept that I force you all to listen to. Johnny C is now Johnny Sunday. Well, not really, but I'm stealing the gimmick from Morrison. And I can now be reached on Twitter at the Johnny C. I kind of stole it from the Batman. <laughs> Excellent. All right, Johnny Sunday, we'll catch you around. Thank you, Johnny. All right, you do that. And as much as Becky wants to be big time and Bianca wants to be the next big star, we know what the real women's main event is here. It's the SmackDown Women's Championship. Championship! Championship! With Charlotte Flair, once again as champion, completely shocking, defending against Rowdy Ronda Rousey. And I can't think of a better person to break that down then Jocelyn Jenny Smith, the jumping bomb angel herself, Jenny Smith. All right, we're here with Jennifer Smith. Jennifer Smith, what is going on, ma'am? Oh, I'm just excited to be here to preview this wonderful match with you. Wonderful. That's being very optimistic. Well, I got high hopes, friend. I know, I have high hopes too, but I think I played myself, which we might get into. I hope I didn't. Maybe you overthought it a little bit. Alright, let's let's first of all let's just go over what got us here and then we'll kinda get into why we why you're so optimistic and why I'm glass half empty, which I'm always glass half full, but we'll get there, Jenny. Okay. You ready? Yeah. Charlotte's been a woman's champion since SummerSlam twenty twenty one, including a silly belt swap or whatever, but Charlotte has finally found her groove after like a year or so of in NXT out for six months. And then with the weird Andrade missing last year's WrestleMania character change, Ric Flair's fucking Lacey Evans, weird wonky story stuff. So she's kind of found her happy place and she's in a good groove. Let's just put it that way. Ronda returns at the Royal Rumble, wins it, and that gives her an opportunity at a WrestleMania championship match or the perceived main event. 
Ronda goes ahead to table the inevitable Becky match. Everyone thought that she was going to go after Becky. Everyone thought that Becky was the matchup. And everyone thought it was Becky and Ronda's time. But she tabled it, saying Becky's the undercard. And Ronda returned for the main event. And Charlotte's not as good as she thinks she is. But she's up first. And she's going to see her at WrestleMania, bitch. It was delivered as awkwardly as I pretty much said it. Mm-hmm. So anyways, they would go on to team with Naomi, Ronda that is, and Sonya, Charlotte that is, and have this you know, fine Elimination Chamber match. Ronda and Naomi would win, but Charlotte got the best of Ronda in her exchanges. Then Ronda would go on to have another match with Sonya, and yeah, sure, it was a squash. And she, then she starts calling Ronda a one-trick pony. One-trick pony being the armbar. The armbar being the equivalent of Mike Tyson's knockout punch. Mm-hmm. So Charlotte's doing a good job of playing the game of fucking with Rhonda because at the end of the day, Charlotte knows that Rhonda's on her level and not many women are on her level as a fantastic wrestler, you know, Matt wrestler or whatever. So one trick pony, Rhonda has this weird, confusing, wonky, like one of my idols was Kurt Angle and, you know, he taught me the ankle lock and that was totally out of left field and it was just like, hmm, whatever. But by saying that, you know, it made... Charlotte realized that she had to get back to her roots on where she had success with Ronda before as playing a little dirty like she did in the Survivor Series. And this is where I thought that, oh, wow. So Charlotte's going to try to angle some convoluted no-holds-barred or street fight or something with, like, no actual wrestling rules where Ron- where Charlotte can use her her size and her whatever as an advantage on Ronda, who is just as good of a, if not better, Matt wrestler than her. So that's where I figured the story was going, Jenny. But mm-hmm. we didn't really get there. At the end of SmackDown, Ronda just back to day one as a terrible promo, going a little off script, saying, why do I have to say women when I describe championships? She's just in a ring alone, looking at a camera, totally uncomfortable. So I'm like, all right, what's going on backstage? Are some people lobbying for other things? Are some people not comfortable with other things? That's where I'm at. My me thinking that, me thinking that the chemistry is going to be off. Now, Jenny, what match did I tell you to watch leading into this with I with my high hopes that I alluded to earlier about this match? You suggested Bret Hart versus Steve Austin from WrestleMania 13. Yeah, and I was out of my mind. I just watched that match, and it's like the top a top five match in this company's history. And, of course, it's not going to be that good. But my thing was... I think they are building up to have that style of match where they get wild and loose, where they work a limb, they you know, but they use other extreme measures to get within a submission match because they also Michael Cole keeps alluding to that someone is going to submit. So that was the giveaway for me to kind of be like, wow, okay, so it's gonna be someone's gonna ha- have someone submit. So I was like, oh, wow, they're and how it's built, like I just described, I'm like, wow, they're building to that I quit match, and they're going to kind of steal that mold. And if you look on the other side of the fence with the AEW brand, the last few years, a lot of the big matches over there have been bloody between the women. And yeah, that could be a gimmick, and they use it as a gimmick, and they use it as a crutch. And yeah, WWE, you can't really do that nowadays, but maybe they could kind of bend the rules a little bit and then they go into their bag of tricks and being like all right we can play this game too but we're going to do it in a meaningful big spot like wrestlemania made event where we're build up to it and whatever so jenny i've babbled on and babbled on and babbled on to bring us to 
am I overthinking it? Did I play myself into a shoot? Is this match just going to be good? Or was I, am I expecting too much out of these women? What are you expecting? You go on. My mouth is dry. Um, there's a lot there that you said, but I guess that there's no shortage of blood in the history between Rhonda and Charlotte. So I, I don't know that we shy away from the blood that much. I mean, it's still around like it's not gone forever and yeah they've showed they've showed little bits of it ronda's had a bloody mouth twice and charlotte had a bloody mouth once so i'm like mm, they're dipping into it they're, they're it's it's precursors it's you know they're dipping their toes in it so it could be me playing myself or i could be overly paying attention <laughs> i don't know in my opinion uh i mean you stated that you thought that ronda was a very good wrestler and uh perhaps a better matt wrestler than than charlotte no, just in the story is what I'm saying. In mm-hmm. building into Charlotte's insecurities of her breaking the rules in the Survivor Series match of getting DQ because Ronda was about to get the best of her. That's what I was saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I don't. So like if you're expecting Austin and Hart, I I just don't think that Ronda Rousey is in any way capable of giving that level no, but, of performance. Of course, of course, of course. But playing within those rules of that structure, the Ronda the Ronda skill set and character can elevate up in Charlotte's intensity to kinda deliver that style match. Charlotte's the only one that can match her intensity wise. Charlotte's the only one that can match her in ring wise, is what I'm saying. And, I, I just don't believe that. So um yeah. I I don't think that she has much of a character at all, and I think Charlotte has every reason to be confident. And I also think Ronda will win the match. So there's that. Like there's what I know the outcome is probably going to be, and there's what I know Charlotte can do. And Ronda is for me the wild card because the crowd loves her. And she feeds off of it, but she gets too cutesy. She doesn't have that intensity. It it's whatever she tries to do, like she can't she can't like get to the next level with it, for me, in my opinion. Like it all seems fake from Rhonda. That's how I've always felt about Rhonda. Charlotte I buy one hundred percent. So I, I think that Charlotte's good enough to get it out of her. And I think for Rhonda, everything has to be perfect backstage yes. and everything has to be perfect leading into everything she can't have. She just needs to have one solid voice in her head talking to her like that. Everything's going to be OK. And I just feel like there's too many moving parts with just how scattered and off she was the other night. It just totally put me into like a, a tailspin tizzy of being like, mm-hmm. oh, this is going to suck. Yeah, I mean, I, I, my faith comes in Charlotte. Like, she knows she's been through this. She's the one billion time champion. Like, she's not dumb. And she, I think she can carry Rhonda in it. But um, it's going to be like a charged atmosphere. And Rhonda just doesn't have it for me. Like, I don't see her shaking the nerves or being able to rise to charlotte's level the chemistry was just so good at that survivor series match i and love that match yes it's it was it's it's easily ronda's best signals match and it, yes. you know it, 
And just the story of Charlotte getting so frustrated that she got disqualified. And then just the, the psychology of this feud right now of Charlotte knowing that she can't beat her on the mat. She would need to get to a tipping point to bend the rules. So, you know, I just figured that they were going to build to that to give Charlotte hope. Because if it's a singles one-on-one match, like, Charlotte's tapping. If it's if it's a street fight, WrestleMania 13 style, yeah, maybe Ronda passes out from the 54 leg lock or whatever, or the whatever Charlotte calls it now, and she doesn't tap out. She passes out like Stone Cold, and it's a little, it's not a super bloody affair, but they you know they throw a little blood in there to get a little more drama to it. I I could live with that result from the <laughs> the Hart and Austin match. I'm not super fond of those. Um, as a finish, but for this, I think it would work. But then you just have to deliver the fucking rest of the match to have that result. You can't yeah. pull out that finish after a shit match. No, that's the thing. That match totally built. Like right. Stol- that was a 22 minute match, and Stole Cold didn't start bleeding until until 16 minutes into that match. So the final seven minutes was full of blood. Just for instance, the AEW Thunder Rosa match last week was. 17 minutes and 34 seconds. She started bleeding two minutes and 34 seconds in, and it was 88% of the match. There was blood in it. So it's just like they use it as a crutch. So not used within WWE, especially with the women. They could use it right now to elevate him to, like, immortal best women's match of all time. Because Charlotte versus Ronda Rousey on paper could and should be the best women's match of all time. I would agree with that. I mean, I'm, I'm a fan of the blood, and I, I want to see blood. So I hope that they do it. It was just, it just felt like it was going there with me, and then I played myself. Jenny, did I play myself, or are we going to have a... I know you, I just, this is like such a mark thing for me to say, yeah, and whatever. it's an interesting idea, and I don't, I mean, I like it, but yeah. I, you know, once you start repeating stuff like that, you know, and like, it's like you're trying to force a WrestleMania moment, you know, as, a, as opposed to letting it happen. Yeah, well, that's also the structure, and yeah. it's it depends how they get there, too. It's also whatever. Right. But anyways, Jenny, do you anticipate yourself being satisfied at the end of this match, not including <laughs> the finish? Because I know the finish is going to play a lot into that with you, which is awesome, but do you, do you feel like you're going to be satisfied at the end of this? No, I do not. I mean, I feel like it's going to be a great match, and Charlotte's going to be great in it, but I can't stand it when she loses it. Because mostly, everybody crows about, you know, her losing, so that plays into it but um you know uh, whatever it'll be fine either way but it's not going to make me super happy to watch her lose it all right well let me give you a glimmer of hope we don't know what ronda's deal is this time around it could be x amount of dates and they might want to prolong this it's a long time till i guess it's she's under contract till next year's wrestlemania just off everything that they've said okay so they're going to give it to her right away. They're going to let her chase a little bit. And do they want to burn all her dates right after WrestleMania with her as champion? Could there be a weird finish here? And plus, there's always one finish within WrestleMania that, that you don't expect to happen. Mm-hmm. So I have this as a low-key, not me for that. And <laughs> just to give you a little hope, but, you know, I, I wouldn't put my mortgage on it, Jenny. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, look. Her whole run has been, you know, it's for her to win. It's not for her to lose. So, like, you know, Charlotte's won a ton of things. So, in my mind, it makes sense. But, you know, whatever that, I mean, you're right. There's practical reasons why it might be wrong. And I'm going to hope for it if I'm being quite honest. All right, Jenny. Hopefully we didn't play ourselves. And thank you for playing along with me today. What are you going to plug? 
I'm going to plug the Jenny Position, my podcast feed. It is on all your podcatcher apps. I have cool shows on there. No wrestling, but cool shows. Uh, my wrestling content is on the Place to Be Wrestling feed and here on the North South Connection. And you can find me on Twitter at Jenny Position. Awesome, Jenny. Thank you. Yes, sir. It's now time for the KO Show with special guest Stone Cold Steve Austin. Sean Kidd, what's going on, man? How you doing, Ryan? Good to be here. I am trucking through this podcast. I am making it happen, and I'm getting everyone together, and we're crushing it. Yeah, well, I'm glad to be here to talk about uh, this one's very interesting to me, so I'm looking forward to speaking about it with you. Yeah, we're doing the KO show with Steve Austin. That's the title of this quote-unquote yeah. segment. Yes, but, the um, KO show that's uh, closing out night one, by the way. Hey, we'll see. February 4th, Fightful reported that the WWE has made overtures to get Stone Cold Steve Austin for a WrestleMania match. Mm. Not to speak Cody Rhodes' news broke the next morning, but that has nothing to do with this. So that was an interesting 24 hours of just like, oh shit. KO would then to go on to start a feud with Texas. Calling Texas out weekly, different Texas legends, as in HBK, Booker T, JBL, would go on to make comments and videos about KO's Texas bashing, which is silly, but eh, the way where it got us, it's whatever. After losing a fantastic Fatal Three Way Raw tag team match against RKO and Alpha Academy, KO decided that he finally found his path on his way to WrestleMania, and he was going to close that episode of Raw and reveal it. During that closing segment, he said he would host a Kevin Owens show at WrestleMania, and he has invited Stone Cold Steve Austin. The next morning, Stone Cold would go on to release a video where he would accept his challenge. He could call it the KO show, a match, a fight, a brawl, whatever. But he knows that he now has his attention, and he is fixing to get his ass whooped. And that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so. Very well done. <laughs> now, that's where we're at. And the one thing that I suggest you go see is last week, March 21st episode of Raw, where Kevin Owens started the episode of Raw coming down in Chicago, Stone Cold's favorite city in Stone Cold's favorite arena, dressed as Stone Cold Steve Ashton slash Ryan Gray and impersonated <laughs> Stone Cold Steve Austin. And on paper, it sounds wonky and sounds like it wouldn't work, but it was fantastic. And if you see anything, you have to wait for the second Stone Cold glass break because that's just the anticipation that this silly calling out Texas feud has built for this pop in this moment. Sean Kidd. What do you have to say about this, I guess, encounter? Oh, I have a lot to say. So uh, initially, when they announced Austin was coming back, the, the, and the thought that it was going to be based on a feud around Owens hating Texas to me just totally rubbed me the wrong way. I'm like, he's yeah. been gone for 19 freaking years. <laughs> uh, I'm going to come back because you hate my state, which that's not stone cold, right? That's some bullshit, right? So yeah. uh, I really hated that. Uh, but as it went on, and by the way, Austin's Austin. Uh, doing a pickup truck promo was great. It kind of reminded me of Uncensored 95 when Arn Anderson kind of did the same thing. I don't know if you ever saw that show, but he had a great promo doing the same thing. Uh, so I thought that was good. But from here, here's what I have enjoyed. Owens has totally just owned this feud. There's been no sign of Austin whatsoever, right? Um, the cosplay of one Ryan Gray, uh, or should I say Stone Cold Jr., 
was magnificent. Was it some people really shit on it? Is it cliched? Yes, but Owens owned it. And I yes. thought it was fantastic. Um, and then on top of that, yesterday, as of this recording, which I really loved, Owens did another video that he posted on his Twitter where he basically intermingled all these Stone Cold promos from the past, uh, speaking on his own behalf about Stone Cold Steve Austin. It was just amazing. So I think the one saving grace for me, and then I'll let you retort on this, is it's not really a match. I mean, they've said it's going to uh, main event night one. But I do think that because it's not an official match, we are going to get a pretty long freaking segment of these two just going at it without it to be an official match. And I think that's Austin's out for saying, hey, I'm not coming out of retirement. And I'm glad he's not because, honestly, I, I just hating on Texas is not good enough, even though I have really gotten interested because Owens has owned this feud. So hopefully that all makes sense. Yeah, Owen, Owens is crushing it. Owens is fantastic. I'm, if – Whatever it is, if it closes WrestleMania, that's huge for Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens should be elevated past this. I wonder if this was in the negotiation of him staying within the WWE. And hopefully he becomes a bigger star and gets some Stone Cold dust coming out of it. Because even though he's had a great WWE career, it always could be better. And hopefully it propels him to the next level. But all that being said... If it is a goddamn match, and if it is, I'm playing the game real quick. If it is a goddamn match, and if it delivers, and if someone's to be out of a ring for 19 years, and the star power and all that stuff, and someone with a broken neck and bad knees and all that stuff, I would trust Stone Cold Steve Austin to trust himself to get enough into have enough shape and because he's had a ring at his house for a year now, pretty much for whatever reason, um, I would trust himself to trust himself to go out there and not flop is what I'm saying. But like, I just fear that if they have a match, it's going to be the rock versus Eric Rowan. And it's just like, what are we doing guys? Well, the rumors are he's in great shape. I mean, I haven't seen him, but I mean, the rumors are he's in great. I mean, I saw him on a TV show and he looked like Austin. He's never really looked out of shape to me. Uh, But you know, here's the one out they could do. Like, let's say it gets into the KO show, it gets heated, and they decide to do one of those unsanctioned deals where it's not an official match. I'd be okay with it. I think Austin, no matter what's going to bring it. Um, I'm like you. I hope Austin doesn't do the old uh, Eric, the, the old rock job like Eric did. Yeah. Uh, but here's the other thing you brought up that's really good and real quick. So if you remember when KO first came into um, the, the, to Raw, and immediately with John Cena, huge star. With Jericho, huge star, and he's been kind of pounding sand a little bit since then, right? So yeah. this is a great opportunity to re-elevate him with a star from the past, and I hope they do. I, I think Owens is awesome. I love him, and I think they could use another main event dude uh, back in the title picture, and I would be all in for that. Oh, they, it's hands down they need him, and, and he could, mm-hmm. with a freshly new inked contract, should be it. Yep, I agree 100%. Part of me is just like, all right, if by not calling it an actual match, can Austin wear his Daisy Duke um, jean shorts instead of putting on a tights, and then he's content? But if it's, you're calling it a match beforehand, he has to put on the tights, and he doesn't feel content in the tights. And for him to have a decent match or a decent segment or a decent brawl, because there's going to be physicality here, he needs to put on the shorts, not the tights. Well. <laughs> That's kind of my thinking, too. His, like leaning into his insecurity a little bit of that, because he is 57 well. years old. And Ryan, don't forget, if he's coming out in those shorts and the two knee braces, you know we're about to knuckle up. So. <laughs> oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think we're knuckling up regardless. You know? I do too, 100%. But if he's got the, if he's got the braces on, 
uh, you might as well sit back and enjoy the ride because that's what's going to happen. So I, I, so I envision this like WrestleMania 30 opening with Rock, Stone Cold, Austin type of heat, but with like a floor being of WrestleMania 21 with Piper and Austin, which was like, which was good but not super memorable. So I'm, I, I have high hopes for this, whatever it is, and I, I'm looking forward to it. And do you, so, do you really think this is going to close night one over Ronda and Charlotte? They've announced it. They said it was. I mean, they said it a couple times, but then they've gone back and forth. Initially, AJ and Edge was going to be on night two. Or, I'm yeah. sorry, then it went to night one, and I don't think it's back on night two. So I, it is It is back on knows? night two. Yeah, who knows? All right, so, so we're recording this before Raw. I, I, we might get that decision at Raw. Maybe, maybe not. My thing is, I'm wicked down on – I just recorded with Jenny, so I'm, I don't know if I can spoil it. I don't know which one's going first, but I'm little down on that women's match, so – which one, Charlotte Rousey? Charlotte Rousey. So uh, I I joined that opinion as well. Yeah. I, I don't know if I played myself to expect too much, but I, what I'm saying is I don't think I'm playing myself by expecting too much here. The bottom line is I trust Stone Cold to put himself in a great spot. Yeah, you're gonna get what you expect out of this. I 100. I guarantee you, no matter what happens, you're gonna get what you want out of it, and that's all to me that matters because I'm all in on it as well. And, and honestly, honestly. I'm more all in on it because of Owens. He's made me want to see yes. it at this point. So Owens is awesome. So real quick, yes, Stone, you don't think Stone Cold is going to wrestle at WrestleMania 38, but can you? Uh, the next question is, can you see something coming out of this WrestleMania segment leading into something in the future? If it's, say, SummerSlam, Saudi, next year's WrestleMania, one of the eight stadium shows they have left this year. I you know it's... Damn, it's so tricky. He hasn't been. It's been 19 years, right? It really depends. Like if he's in great shape, and he wants to have one send off, I could totally see him giving a big payday at Saudi or even yeah. SummerSlam. So I'm gonna reserve comment. Um, I will wait and see what happens at WrestleMania to see what comes out of it. But I could totally see a Saudi deal or a SummerSlam deal out of it for sure. All right. Well, if he has a, ma- a future match, that's your one that you're coming on with me, and we're doing the whole show about it. I 100% would do that. Agreed. All right, speaking of shows, what else you got to plug before we get out of here, buddy? Uh, I'll plug my main show, the um, uh, Place to Be Wrestling uh, Network. I do uh, NWA Crock and Roll, where I go back and look at uh, NWA Jim Crockett from 85 to 88. And we are getting ready to do uh, Crockett Cup on that pod from 1986. So that's what I got to plug right now. Awesome. Looking forward to it. And as should everyone else, Sean Kidd, thank you very much. I will see your ass in Dallas. Look forward to it. Welcome to day two of WrestleMania. This match features Edge taking on AJ Styles. All right, we got Johnny D'Amato. Johnny, what's going on, man? Uh, I'm feeling stupendous tonight. How are you feeling? (laughs) (laughs) Just as stupendous as you. (laughs) Excellent. We got the Edge and AJ Styles match, of course, and we got Edge returning on the Raw. February 21st episode, cutting a promo saying he needs someone to step up because WrestleMania needs him just as much as he needs WrestleMania. Dropping hints on Styles, Finn Balor, Damian Priest, and of course, Cody Rhodes. The next week episode of Raw, he jumps back in with a show closing angle. He's screaming fiercely, who's stepping up and who's facing me at WrestleMania? And then after a nice delay, Phenomenal hits the Titantron and AJ Styles music hits and accepts. Edge says he wants the bulldog, not that tag son of a bitch that was with Amos. Edge goes to shake his hands, but decks him right in the face, pumbles him, leading him into a concerto. AJ was gone for two weeks after this. 
On the March 7th Raw, Edge debuted with new lighting, a new theme song, cutting a promo stating that he feels in control of everything that will happen in ring and in the entire wrestling industry. Edge said he is on the mountain of omnipotence, and the view is phenomenal. On the May 14th Raw, Edge heals on the fans turning on him. Edge brings up the mountain of omnipotence line again as he's looking down on everyone, saying two generational talents will meet for the first time ever at WrestleMania. AJ will be judged if he makes it to WrestleMania. Finally, last week's Raw, AJ Styles shows up cutting a fiery babyface promo on Edge, challenging him then and now. Seth stuff happens for whatever reason, of course. And then during that match, Edge shows up and just clobbers AJ for a DQ finish. So, Johnny D'Amato, with all that being said, are you ready for this match or what? That was a lot of big words in that uh, run-up there. Uh, I don't know about the omnipotence, but uh, I'm definitely... uh, the build is, uh, it is what it is. Uh, uh, but Edge, though, his uh, his timing and his acting ability are still uh, just just above uh, everybody else. It, it's really underappreciated. He kind of comes back, and everybody's like, ah, you know, they they concentrate because you know his face. He looks like an eighty year old man, but you know, <laughs> not not exactly uh, you know giving credit to the good parts. I mean, his his body is in better shape than than what he was when he was you know wrestling in the nineties. And uh, yeah, his look, he comes out with a. Uh, I guess like the these 2022 uh, members only uh, jackets or whatever. He's he 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 looks uh, he still looks good in, in there. You know, just, you know, get get on over the bags under his eyes and stuff. And the promo ability just is still he knocks it he knocks it out the park. But I, I just wonder, didn't they learn a mistake from last year when uh, he did the uh, heel turn before the main event and nobody noticed? And especially if he were there in Tampa, where he got the he got the big pop and and nobody uh, booed him as as the heel. Brian got more booze. <laughs> <laughs> they may have learned from it just based off changing his music a little bit. With all that considered, maybe. But I think the heel turn this time is going to stick. You know, going against a guy like AJ Styles a freshly turned face himself, and AJ Styles, a a constant fan favorite, regardless of his role. It's two generations clashing and also two styles clashing, no pun intended, but I think that they have a little recipe for a little low-key banger. But my thing is, if this is the first match of the feud with the history of Edge and everything, the first match isn't really necessarily the best one, but it should be effective. Well, that that's uh, giving me uh, bad flashbacks because I was very much looking forward to AJ Nakamura in uh, New Orleans, and uh, they they used that to just they treat it like a raw match to build a, a feud where you know where they kick each other in the balls a hundred times. So it, it was very uh, disappointing. I was looking forward to the banger there. So hopefully, uh, if this is you know the one of the trilogy, uh, like you said, usually the the first one of the, of the trilogy is, is hardly ever the best one. So I'm hoping you don't put the mush on that, but uh, I think it does have a, a great potential to be one of the uh, top matches of, of the weekend. And uh, I think AJ really needs it because uh, going back, uh, look at AJ's mania history, uh, Jericho, uh, Shane, I mean, he did he did the best he could, uh, but was anybody coming out of those mania saying, oh, wow, AJ had the, you know one of the top matches of the night? Uh, I'd say definitely not. So he's he's kind of been an afterthought. Hopefully that this might bring him back. I don't like a, it was a tepid kind of a face turn, the way he kind of got punked by almost there. 
and uh, he didn't really he didn't really get much sympathy. It was it was even kind of confusing where. Uh, like it's almost a face, <laughs> but like like I said, it's it's AJ Styles. Uh, he's you know, he's a big fan favorite. But as as far as the reaction, like like who who are the fans? Is it gonna have that emotional reaction of of whether you want the you know or you want him to win, whether it's life or death, and you, and you have the fans in the in the palm of your hand on those two and three quarter accounts, which will probably be like six or seven of them. Is that emotion gonna be stirred up, or or are fans are just gonna be like, hey, uh, you know, these two guys are Hall of Famers and they're, they're two of the best. Of the last 20 years, so we just want to see a great match. So it's it's all that's going to be interesting to see. Placing of this card should matter for that. Depends where it's thrown in. On if I think it's I going see to win Sunday. I think I see uh, Sunday. Yeah, they moved it from it'll, Saturday it'll to Sunday. Early. It'll probably be one of the early uh, matches Sunday. Yeah, that's a really good spot for it. Now, real quick, the Mountain of Montipinence. We'll go with that. <laughs> The definition of that means maximal power. Um, omnipotence? Yeah, omnipotence means maximal <laughs> power. It is a god of maximal great or perfect, therefore omnipotence, puzzling even to many philosophers. Now, being saying that, are we getting somewhere where Edge is about to lead a little stable? That's what I'm getting to after decoding all this. A man of edge stature going to be a man leading a fierce stable of power? Is that what I'm going to see coming out of this? Is that what he's leaning to? I'm not uh, looking for anything long-term. Edge is kind of uh, part-time. I don't think uh, think I, I see anything where it, it'll be something where he's like on weekly uh, TV. Because you know, a stable like that would involve him being at Raw, you know, every week for like two, three months. So I really don't see that. I think Edge will remain as he is, laying in the cut, pop up every few weeks. Yeah, but a man of God's stature doesn't have to need to be there every week. A man of God's stature does not need to be there every week, and a man leading the likes of Damian Priest or another God-like heelish turn. Does not to be there need to be there every week to lead him. What say mm. you, John Damato? Am I sniffing too too much glue, or am I looking too much into the weeds here? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not feeling the omnipotence uh, angle here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Johnny. Hey, Styles or Edge? Who you got? I think I think AJ really need needs a win because, as as I said, the 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 turn has kind of been uh, tepid. and uh, it, it's it, it's kind of tough spot because uh, these guys as great as they are. They're both similar in that, uh, like AJ's, he wrestles great as a face, but he might be better as a douchey heel. Same thing with Edge, other than Cacetto, which is like like the heelest move of all time. But his in ring, like you know, the match, his match set is is face, uh, you know, is face friendly. And, Especially uh, this late in his career. You know, yeah. the, sympathy of the selling and the sympathy. Of, of the course, uh, yeah. And yeah. with his with his age, it, it's hard to you know uh, you know against the, the old man. So uh, the, the crowd reactions. That's uh, what I'm really looking forward to is to see how the uh, how the emotion of the crowd goes. Or, or maybe they're just gonna be like me. I just want to sit back and and watch them have a have a banger and have, have one of the best matches of of, of the weekend because they're they're two of my favorites. AJ, I think needs a more, and that is gonna get the W. Yeah, we'll, we we shall see, Johnny. All right, John, thanks for having me. Anything you want to plug before we get out of here, bud? Uh, the, the Cronoso Daily uh, with, with you and a gang of uh, great talent. Uh, every day it pops up about uh, 8.30 uh, very consistently. Uh, the boss is uh, doing a great job uh, of, of getting that out every day. And, uh, you know, I'm usually on, uh, you know, me, me and you once a week, once every two weeks. Uh, so we're rolling through 86. Yeah, I can't look forward to it. But all right, Johnny, it was great having you. 
Yes, Thanks, sir. Buddy. That, thank you. It was stupendous. And uh, <laughs> you were going to be an omnipotent presence at Mania Weekend. <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing you, buddy. <laughs> yes, sir. RK Pro taking on the Street Profits at Alpha Academy. All right, we're here with Tim Slavka. Tim, what's going on, man? Nothing much, Ryan. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. We got Orton, Riddle versus the Street Profits Alpha Academy for the Raw Tag Team Titles. Tim, do you happen to catch that three-way tag match from about two, three weeks ago where RK Bro won the titles back? It was a uh, quite a long thirty-plus minute match, and it was a great, great uh, match to to bring us to the point for WrestleMania. So yeah, that's going to be quite the ladder to live up to. Hey, we'll see if we get there. There was a few events that got us here first. RK Bro. April 19th episode of Monday Night Raw, Riddle would interrupt Orton backstage during an interview segment. Orton dismissed Riddle, leading into a match between the two later that night. Riddle won with a roll-up. So the creative plans were they were supposed to team the next week and then start a feud. That's all the way back in April. So, and here we are now, two-time tag team champions. They were champions from SummerSlam all the way up to, or January-ish, so they've been on a hell of a run. They dropped the belts to Alpha Academy back in January and then won it back in that fantastic three-way you just talked about. All right, so will RK Bro continue their great run, or will they keep delaying the breakup and want to cash in on it on the biggest stage of them all of WrestleMania and then turn into the feud afterwards? What do you think of that, Tim? you think they stay a team, everything's hunky-dory, or do you think that they wait for WrestleMania for the breakup? I mean, I would keep them around for a while. They're obviously super over and popular. Brandy's giving great performances, I feel like. I mean, they're obviously doing the tension between the two, but I think it's working right now. And one of my notes I had was, obviously, Big E and New Day have kind of fallen off. I feel like there's a lot of potential for merchandise from this team. It's just a great substitution. So while I think every tag team has a breakup, it feels like, uh, I feel like they can stretch this one out. Uh, you kind of mentioned it was going to be a two-week to get together and you know, now they're almost a year together uh yeah. it's, it's worked so far i would keep, I'd keep running with it for a while yeah part of me wants them to break up just to kind of elevate riddle but part of me just wants them right. to stay together because they're so good together yeah they're so, so good together and it, you know randy mentioned he's been to 18 wrestlemanias which is just crazy to hear uh, it, it's giving him something to do to not just be thrown in boring feuds that mean nothing right uh, and he's not going to elevate himself to the title, it feels like, you know, besides being thrown in like a four-way or something like that. So I feel like it gives him something to do for a while, too. I don't think it's just playing it up on TV. I think he is actually having fun. Riddle oh, I'm is, sure they are. Riddle yeah. is so endearing in a way yes. that I'm sure he's a blast to work with on and off yeah. camera. And, uh, I'm sure they're both being creative of what they're doing, right? Like, I, this doesn't feel like a Vince thing, so I got a feeling they got some leeway to kind of come up with their own ideas. Yeah, so I'm, I'm like 50-50, like I said. I kind of want them to stick together, and I wouldn't mind seeing them break off just to kind of elevate Riddle up the card. Right. And then we have Alpha. Their title reign was cut short. I, I'm wondering if that was just a vehicle to kind of get us to the Riddle stuff. They have tons of juice left. They are clicking on all cylinders, too. Chad Gable is fantastic with his shh-shoosh and his... Yeah. His mic work's been stellar all year, and it's been a really a great team to rehab Otis to kind of get him back where he is. Yep, agreed. Agreed on that uh, for, yeah. bo for both of them. Uh, you know, what's their life? Uh, they're obviously hated heels, right? What's their, their longevity? I'm not sure, but right now it's kind of working. The only thing I would say on them is 
they kind of feel like fodder in this, you know, in this thing. And I'm sure they just got thrown in to get a WrestleMania payday. Uh, it seems like they try yeah. to set up more of the RK Bro Street Profits versus, you know, uh, Alpha. But uh, it's it's fine. The three way probably adds some more intrigue to this match as well. Yeah, and then we kind of got the Prophets, who are kind of in limbos as babyfaces. Would a new, yep. fresh heel turn give them more legs as characters, as a tag team? Or could we see, like, a strike force moment where kind of one walks away from the other one here on the grandest stage of us all? The only reason I bring that up is because, you know, just like we talked about a few minutes ago, everyone's expecting RKO to break up. What if it was the Street Prophets? I mean, I don't know. I would... I think they have some legs with the the feud with RK Bro for a while. If you're thinking about post mania, so I don't know, maybe RK Bro pins Alpha and keeps with Street Profits, but there's always a chance of breaking them up. Uh, they both obviously have some you know charisma, but they work well together. They obviously, I think, could be a good cocky heel team. So it'd, it'd be interesting to see what they do with them. Yeah, I'm just a little red heron, cute WWE book. Yeah, I can see that working out. You know. Yep, definitely agreed. But all right, I'm excited for this match. It has a big stage to live up to, dating back to a month ago with that three-way. So we'll see. I'm optimistic that it's great, but I'm weary that it's not going to be fucking fantastic like that match. It's it's one that could end up on a pre-show. It's one that could be right before a main event and be four minutes. I think they're trying to still figure out the card, right? We still don't know yeah. who Seth Rollins is fighting. We still don't know some of the days on some of the people. So this is day this two. Is Day two, but then I looked at another site, it's, it still said to be determined. This is probably one of those where they're, you know, it's a placeholder match where they're going to put it where it kind of just fits wherever. And I think it's the time slot's not going to be predetermined, you know, for some of the other things, right? The main event, they're like, yep, this is 40 minutes. Yep, this is this, this is this. This is probably yeah. one where, okay, where does it get placed? With RK Bro, it's a big enough deal that it's not a, your normal media tag team match. They go from like 25 on where it's just, oh, you're going to be three minutes and no one cares about it. I think with RK Bro, it elevates it enough. But I still think given how much they got going on with the cards, hopefully it's not pre-show, but it could get the cut of a, you know, four-minute match. Hey, we'll see Sunday, buddy. All right, Tim, before we go, you got anything you want to plug? Uh, just real quick, we, we've already recorded one new gen on a mission. Uh, once we kind of line up the schedule with JT on the North-South Connection, uh, we'll be back in April. Uh, we recorded the one right before King of the Ring, and then we're going to record King of the Ring. So we're back in every two weeks, uh, coming shortly back to the North-South Connection. So can't wait uh, to keep that rolling along again. So that's going to be every Tuesday in rotation with uh, Russo the Aggressive podcast. Very cool. Yes. Yes, can't wait. All right, 10 seconds. Bulls, how far are they making in the playoffs? Why Why would you, if they even make it, but uh, they have no chance at any round. They, they're 0-16 versus uh, any opponent that has any type of record, the top four teams in the, the East. So uh, they'll be lucky to be there, and they'll call it a day very quickly. Maybe a they sweep. No, they are no Boston Celtics. All right, Tim, we've had enough time, buddy. I'll catch you on the next one. <laughs> All right, cheers, man. Have a good one. The king of the jackass is Johnny Knoxville taking on Sami Zayn in an Anything Goes match. All right, we're here with James Grunberg, our resident jackass. Grooney, what's going on, man? What's up, Brian? How are you doing? I'm doing well, man. I'm banging these out and getting through it. Yeah, buddy. Yep. Are you ready for Johnny Knoxville versus Sami Zayn in an Anything Goes match? I am ready for... Johnny Knoxville versus Sami Zayn in Anything Goes match. You know, this seems right up Johnny Knoxville's alley. Perfect. Well, this started at day one pay-per-view where there was a video with Johnny Knoxville announcing that he was entering the Royal Rumble. This would irate Sami Zayn playing a conspiracy theory character. He would go on to try to one-up Johnny Knoxville by creating In Zayn, a jackass ripoff show. (laughs) 
it was kind of suspect, but it worked for Sami Zayn. Sami would go on to eliminate Johnny Knoxville from the Royal Rumble. Johnny Knoxville had an impressive two minutes in the Rumble. Uh, Sammy would attend the Jackass World movie premiere to later get kicked out by Knoxville at, before the premiere started, shocking him on the red carpet. Sammy would win the Intercontinental Champion after this. However, a, it was a brief title reign as he would face Ricochet the week after it, with a Johnny Knoxville distraction, drop and lose the title to Ricochet and go into a downward spiral. Later that night, he would ch- challenge Johnny Knoxville to a match at WrestleMania. The next week, in a pre-tape, Johnny would accept. While accepting, he showed a banner of Sami Zayn's phone number flying through Los Angeles, California. <laughs> now, if you'd like to call Sami Zayn, his quote-unquote phone number is 407-574-1532. So, if you want to get him out there, if you want to call him right before his big WrestleMania match... Here's your opportunity. Since then, there's been social media videos Sam saying getting phone calls, text, FaceTime, etc. throughout the night. It, it was been really fun stuff. Sammy would go on to be so fed up Johnny Knoxville's bullshit, he would go on to challenge Johnny for an anything goes match. James Groomberg, with all that being said, how excited are you for this match at WrestleMania? I am very excited for this match. Uh, like I said, you know, the anything goes part, it's right up Knoxville's alley. He comes up with stunts, shopping carts and stuff. You know, Knoxville knows how to, like, take up, get hurt, get hit by by things. So he is a professional you know, jackass. Like, I mean, you know, it's like he's a professional stuntman. So this should be right up Knoxville's alley. Yeah, this is playing 100% into Knoxville's strength. I'm glad they gave him the stip. And this should be like the Shane McMahon-Miz match on absolute steroids. I have high hopes for this, James. Yeah, I do too. I really like, you know, Sami Zayn crashing the uh, Jackass premiere yeah. and only to get escorted out by security. I think it's, uh, I think it's like, it's Knoxville, it's Wee Man. I don't know if Steve-O was there, but I think it was like Pontus, like Chris Pontus, I think, was there. Yeah. And it's like all just Johnny Knoxville's gang, the, the jackass gang, uh, ganging up on Sami Zayn, him getting thrown out of the premiere. And then um, to add insult to injury, Johnny Knoxville kind of cost Sami Zayn the Intercontinental title versus uh, Ricochet. It's kind of like when um, Hugh Jackman uh, helped Zack Ryder win the United States title all those years ago. Oh, woo, woo, woo. You're right. Yes. It'd be really just a great match. Yeah, I think it's right in their wheelhouse, man. What do you, how do you see WrestleMania open? You think they're going to play into the jackass from here in any way? I think they are. Like, I can totally see Sami Zayn and Johnny Knoxville going first on the show and having Johnny Knoxville come out first and opening up WrestleMania with the line, My name is Johnny Knoxville. Welcome to WrestleMania. <laughs> That's a pretty good idea. I think that'd be well put. Or at least this is the start of their match. Something stupid like that. What is this? This is day one or day two? No, actually, this is day two. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, it is day two. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was day one. Uh, you know, but I mean, yeah, you gotta split the card half and half. You know. Be uh, could be a scenario where this opens WrestleMania day two, kind of like last year where the Fiend and Orton opened in a weird match, and I'm sure this one's gonna come through much better. Yeah. Cool. All right, Rudy. Well, thank you, buddy. Anything you got to plug here on the quads of pods? I know you're all over it. So what do you got? 
by the time this drops or um, maybe after this drops, I'll be a guest on the Ruthlessly Aggressive podcast with Jake Williams. And we're on our way to Royal Rumble 2003, uh, you know, 10 days away from that. We cover the Raw and SmackDown from, I believe, January 6th and January 9th, those two episodes. And then on the Place to Be Wrestling feed, I have my own podcast, the Extreme Resurrection podcast, where me and Michael Cook, uh, we discuss ECW on Sci-Fi from 2006-2010. We are going to be recording a watch-along episode of Extreme Resurrection, where we will watch the terrible pay-per-view, according to WWE fans, December to Dismember, which had that six-man Extreme Elimination Chamber. I watched that match. It's all right. It's like, it's not a great chamber match, but it's all right. All right, Grudy, you yeah. killed it, buddy. Thanks, pal. See, hey, I will see your ass in fucking Dallas. If, if you fucking talk to me or touch me, I'm going to fucking kill you. <laughs> Bring it on. All right, Grudy. <laughs> looking forward to seeing you, buddy. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing you too. Seven days, baby. Thanks, pal. Almost takes on Bobby Lashley. All right, we're here with Andrew Reach. Andrew Reach, what's going on, man? Hey, man, how's it going? Good. You ready to talk some WWE or what? Yeah, we got the madness. We got the mania. What comes first, the mania or the madness? Or is it both? Uh, probably the madness. It always, like, comes at the same time. Like, literally, Raw, after WrestleMania, a lot of times comes at the same time as the national championship. It's almost like sensory overload. If you're a fan of both, you're spoiled and it's overdose. But, hey, you can't fairs be choosers with that stuff. Right. It's a good balance, but it's also like balancing what we got ahead of us on our plate here. We, you got the tough task of, let's just say, previewing a match that's not announced, previewing it before the actual last go-home Raw for WrestleMania. So we're going to take a quick glance at Omos versus, I guess, rumored Bobby Lashley. You believe the dirt? You think that's the real match? Uh, I don't know what's real anymore. It, it's all real to me, but none of it's real at the same time. It's like everything being wrestling. But, um... I mean, I know that almost because I do watch WWE sparingly. I, I, for those who already know, I do a lot of AEW stuff with Jordan Duncan for you know what that means on the North South Connection. But you do have to dip your toes. You got to know what the other guys are doing. And I know almost turned heel on AJ Styles. AJ is obviously busy with uh, a feud with Edge, which is also on the card. And I don't really know where they're going with him. It feels like they're doing these promos where they're doing like the super low angle to make almost look bigger. He's more menacing, but like, does he seem aimless on raw? Well, it kind of felt like he was floating to the Andre and then the rumors, the last two weeks of him getting a singles match, they kind of put a little gas behind him a little bit, but they're really the gas. I don't know if the gas is really worth the squeeze in this, you know, engine. Yeah. It's a big, Big, big engine. Yeah, he didn't He didn't get a diesel push at the Rumble that I remember. And then they threw him on the stick, and it was kind of a little floppy, a little little weird. He has, like, a, some in-ring charisma in, a, like, a hot tag kind of way, mm-hmm. or a hot adjacent tag. I remember him in college basketball. He played for South Florida. Yes. He was legitimately big. Like, I remember watching him, and he was just, like, a brooding, chop-blocking big man. I don't remember his full name. It's a very long name. But I just remember seeing him. And thinking, God, I don't know if you'll – he'll probably not play in the NBA, but that's a big mf right there. And that's among really tall dudes like the Anthony Davises of the world and like – because I think South Florida at the time was still in the Big East. So they were up – Rakeem Christmases of the world and people like that. Yeah, he, I saw him at, in Vegas at a Foot Locker. <laughs> <And> he was <laughs> – and he was very impressive. You know, I'm 5'8", 
and I was up to his like belly button. <laughs> so he was waiting very long for them to find sneakers in the back for him. Big basketball players are. When Shaquille O'Neal went face-to-face with the Big Show, which was actually the last WrestleMania they had in uh, Jerry's World, they're face-to-face. NBA players, especially the centers, they're legit 6'10". They're not the papered 6'10". No, they're legit. So he's big and he's thick, but that's kind of what he is right now. He doesn't have much working on the stick. He doesn't have much working with charisma. So they have all this equity built within him. So what are they doing? Are they adding to that equity with like a, a Bobby Lashley squash? How healthy is Bobby Lashley? Or do they just, is this a resurgence for Bobby Lashley? He comes in, he's kind of a little cleared, but he's not really cleared. And where's MVP right now? Yeah, that too. He's been off TV since the chamber too, where Lashley was escorted out of it for the Brock victory. So... Oh, there's a lot of moving parts here. There's a, at the time of recording this, there's a lot of rumors, a lot of stuff floating around. So is this an actual match? I'm really not sure. But if we see Lashley almost over under five minutes. <laughs> oh, under. Under. under? Almost, gets a, almost gets some of those chops that he likes to do uh, when Lashley comes out surging. If that's the surprise. Let's say hypothetically it happens. And big offense from Lashley. A couple chops by almost. Tries to go for that big choke that he kind of like that stand up choke slam, double choke slam. Stuff, yep. Yeah, whatever they call that. And he wiggles out of it, spear, another spear, pinfall. That, that, I think I just said how the match is going to go. <laughs> I'm like a genius or an idiot. All right, you hit it here first. If you know Reach in his NCAA picks, you should go to the bank with this WrestleMania pick <laughs> under five minutes. But the plan B, and the other guy we wanted to talk about quick here is Gable Steveson. Oh, yeah. He just finished his NCAA career at Minnesota, finishing 13 and 0 and winning his third Big Ten title. The guy's an absolute stud on the mats, an Olympic gold medalist, huge upside, NIL deal. But really, you know what I find funny about Gable Stevenson is that he basically declared that he's going to go, quote unquote, go pro (laughs) and go to the WWE. But he was able to finish out in Minnesota, whereas I'll give you an example. Let's say Oscar Shibway, who's going to win the Wooden Award for Kentucky, despite that loss to St. Peter. He says, you know what? I'm going to go pro. And the NCAA says, okay, your eligibility has gone because you signed with an agent. What? <laughs> I know things have changed and evolved because of the Supreme Court case with Alston and the NCAA, where they've kind of gotten more lenient on NIL because they know that it's they know the legislation is going to come down through the states and they can't stop it. And that's how Gable, to bring it back to Stevenson, is that that's how he got this deal, where he can get basically back-end money from the WWE to get paid to stay in the good graces and be ready to go once he's done in Minnesota. And you know what? Shout out to Stevenson. He won that gold medal in the Olympics. He ran roughshod through all of his Big Ten competition at the University of Minnesota, put his boots down, time to go, and let's see what happens. All this without a broken freaking neck, too, man. Wow. <laughs> now, as a prospect, really hard to say. You, we haven't seen him. Sta- I mean, we've seen photos of him with Brock Lesnar. They both went to the University of Minnesota. So yeah. Lesnar's probably a big proponent of him. I've never seen him standing next to Kurt Angle. I'm thinking of other amateur catch wrestlers that became superstars. Um, but it's hard to compare his style because we've never seen him in the ring. He went to SummerSlam, but he just kind of did the wave hello after the Olympics. Yeah. And he looked a little awkward, he looked a little nervous, and he looked out of place. But, you know, that's... That's typical. That's typical. You know, you yeah. don't want to hold that against him. And freaking Uncle Davey Meltzer be saying he's a better athlete than Brock. And I'm like, Jesus, what? Like, okay. But then again, you look at his accolades, and you're like, wow, you know, Olympic gold medalist, collegiate, blah, blah, blah. 
yeah, he might be. So the rumor is he's he's had an actual ring up at Minnesota, and he's been training for the WWE while competing in in the Big Ten and going thirteen and zero. So and to finishing up his degree at Minnesota. So he's actually so he actually is from Minnesota. Yes, because Lesnar was from South Dakota. From Indiana, moved to Minnesota. Ah, gotcha. You know, uh, the connection with Brock had to be a big key. The, we we know about these stories about how Nick Khan did that interview with Ariel Wani, where he basically confirmed that the talent program or development program going forward was going to be more of on a mainstream casual level of like, we're going to, we're not looking for like indie guys, quote unquote, which is what AEW is kind of banking on lately. They're going with more of the, the athletes, the people that come from other circles, people who come from strong man, strongest man and former like females who play flag football and things like that. And who do they go after? They go after the biggest name that's associated with wrestling in the mainstream who won gold medals <laughs> in the Olympics. It's like, you know, you could have just said you were just looking for a star. I mean, you could have just said it. Yeah. Steven seems a lifelong fan. So that's, you know, a little cred to us nerds like that. Oh, OK. So we appreciate it. It's not like where it's Brock. Well, Brock's been great, but it's not like Brock who just won looking for a paycheck, who showed up and was like, yeah, this is a this is a pretty fucking sweet job. Yeah. And the other guy I remember was um I forget his name now, um his real name, but he was he played at uh, UCF and now he's working with Joe Gacy and I guess like ring name and NXT. But he oh, Harlan. Yes. So he came in at the same time. He might become a star, but is he getting, but did he get the rocket strapped to him? Like Gable Stevenson's going to get? Absolutely not. Stevenson's going to get a big push. So if this is Stevenson as a surprise on almost W big time W overhead suplex. Wow. Yep. Look at that athleticism. Yep. Some angle slam or Olympic slam. Yep. One, two, three. That's the vibe I'm trying to, that's the vibe I'm thinking the vibe I want to go with there. Yeah. You know, just the, all the equity built into almost the last 18 months, boom, just throw it on the kid, and then almost will be – there's not much upside there. We'll figure it out, see where you land after this. But, hey, man, that's what we got for this little section of the pod, Andrew. Thank you for showing up. What do you got to plug before we get out of here, bud? Uh, you know what that means, which is our North-South Connection podcast uh, covering AEW with me and Jordan Duncan. And I also do the NBA team podcast on the pop feed. Uh, with Adam Murray, and uh, it's getting wild. You know, playing is getting ready in the NBA. Uh, we just came off Revolution for AEW. You know that that AEW WWE war. Not to make it off top of it, it just never it never stops. Like the news no. cycle never stops. So it's been it's been pretty eventful. No, it's fun. Um, real quick, how's your bracket? Dead. <laughs> <laughs> I still have my um. I have the max value going forward because uh, I think my final four is still alive. Oh, wow. Because uh, okay. I had Kentucky out uh, before the final four. Uh, the St. Peter's thing really deep six everybody. But um, still, I'm like, I'm alive and kicking. It's like the WWE. It sucks through the first eight months, and then on the back end, it gets a little better. <laughs> so you're looking long term, fuck the in between. I like it. All right. Right, cool. right, right. All right, Andrew. Thank you, buddy. This is great. No problem. Pat McAfee versus Austin Theory. All right. We are here with Marcus. Marcus, what's going on, man? Uh, I got a little, little fever. I got uh, some chills, uh, even a rash. I'm not exactly sure what this is, especially given these times. I might need to go see a doctor. But then I look at the calendar, and I remember what time of year it is. I got that WrestleMania fever, baby. How you doing, Ryan? Oh, good, because I was going to subscribe you some WrestleMania, but you got that <laughs> WrestleMania fever, so we're uh, we're ready to rock and roll. I'm good. I'm, I'm banging these out. I'm getting through it. We're we're deep into day two here. We're, we're about, 
don't know, let's guess an hour and 30 minutes into the pod here, and uh, we're trucking through, and we're almost at the end of the tunnel, but I'm more than excited to talk to my buddy Marcus. Well, I'm excited to talk about the match that we've got on deck here. Yeah, which is Pat McAfee versus Austin Theory. There's no really build here. This is kind of two character developments, two characters kind of around Vince McMahon kind of colliding. This Theory was around Vince, around the Survivor Series with that goddamn egg. That that goddamn egg got stolen at the Survivor Series. That's right. You know, the hook for the next night of Raw was, who stole the egg? So it kind of worked in a way, but it was a little wonky, whatever. But that came to fruition that Theory stole the egg, and he just wanted to take a selfie with it, because he's social media selfie taker. He's a 25-year-old kid. That's his gimmick. So he's been under a mentorship slash friendship with Vince, I guess, which is hit and miss, but I overall enjoy it. I like that for this stage of Theory's career, and I like that it ties into the influence who are part of him, too. It's like a grandfather and a young grandson trying to connect, and I kind of dig it. And then we have Pat, who was given a WrestleMania match in his stellar interview with Vince, so that WrestleMania match ended up being with Vince's, I guess, protege Theory when Theory came out in kind of proclaimed it as himself. He used his friendship or his mentorship with Vince as an, at an advantage to get a high-profile match at WrestleMania with Pat McAfee. Would you, how high-profile would you consider this match, Marcus? I'm going to put this towards the top of the middle tier. Okay. So, like, fifth from the top, if you add the two nights, kind of? Yeah, um, because I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, Pat McAfee's show. Pat McAfee as a person, individual... Uh, an entertainer, whatever. Like I've just I followed his career through the NFL. I followed him uh, as he retired, as he started his own company, started his own radio show. Everything. I'm kind of deep the realm of Pat McAfee, so I, I'm I might be boosting us a little bit higher than actually what it really is. But you know, tell me if I'm off. No, I, I'm with you. I think Pat is a low key household name by now, really. If all the stuff yeah. he's done post-career. And I think it's a pretty good get for WWE. He's been on there as an announcing with them. He was been in NXT with them. And they're t- slowly elevating him up to a spot. So to put him in this, like, quote-unquote, middle to tie tier, fifth or sixth from the top, that's a great spot for him. Especially, I think, this match is really boosted up by the absolute insane bonkers NFL offseason we've had. Pat <laughs> McAfee's name was getting brought up every single day across all sports media platforms uh anything that was covering sports pat mcafee was being discussed because aaron Rodgers was going on his show once a week or being rumored to go on a show to talk about his impending retirement his impending trade request and eventually his impending return green bay packers this all went down at the right time for wwe and for pat mcafee because i don't think pat's ever had more eyes on him than right now yeah, and just to look at all those eyes you're talking about and just to be magnified with Vince there for like 90 minutes. And I think those numbers ballooned during that time, too. And it, so this match was announced there, the follow of that. How do, for, first of all, real quick, what did you think of that interview? Did you find it enjoyable? Did you find it interesting? You know, I thought Vince looked good and everything considered. I thought Vince looked good. Vince was uh, very like, cognizant and I think for the first time we saw Vince McMahon as a person at peace with his own mortality. And that might have been due to the recent death of his mother, Um, you know, his rumored health struggles, whatever you want to throw in there. Just in general, you know, he's getting to uh, kind of the the average age for uh, men in this country. He's, you know, he's he's getting there, especially given the fact that he's never (laughs) really taken a day off work for, uh, you know, 40 years or whatever. It's insane. But it kind of felt like. He knew that this was going to be 
the interview that is played uh, when he passes. And it felt like him leaving, uh, you know, his own version of like an autobiography about the success in his early life and his his mindset to get there. That's that's what I felt. Yeah, totally. So everything included with how decent he looked, you think he's going to actually appear and tie into this match? I think so. I don't think that they would keep teasing Vince McMahon's office and having having the camera cut to Vince's office and stuff like that. And that kind of seems to be the wall that McAfee keeps running up against and trying to get theory. And it seems to be kind of Austin Theory saying, hey, you know, like I'm on mom, like I'm out of bounds, like you can't come get me. I think at WrestleMania, Vince has to make that strut down the aisle. Okay, yeah, because I was going to just allude to, hey, last we're recruiting this on a Saturday. Last night, Theory slapped him in the head. He ran and chased him out back. He chased him right into mom's room, into the parents' bedroom, <laughs> locked the door, and then that was it. I think Vince got to go there. At, when you hear Vince McMahon stepping into a ring at WrestleMania at this age, everything you just said, you're like, oh, God, no. Please, no. What are we doing? But then you see him on the McAfee show where he came across so good for the those 90 minutes, and you're like, oh, oh. Yeah, he's old, and of course he was putting on a show, but he kind of still got it a little bit. And now I don't anticipate him going in there looking like Vince at WrestleMania 17. <laughs> yeah. But I'm like, okay, you know, my guard is down a little bit, and let's have fun with it, pretty much. Let's, you know, let's, I accept it. It is what it is. He's actually not in a real match, so my guard's down. Let's just, let's go crush it. Yeah, this almost feels like a battle of two Vinces. Like, Vince picked, in the, I guess in the build of this, picking McAfee, Vince picked, like, a 30-year-old version of himself and Pat McAfee, somebody who went out there and grabbed life by the balls and and made the system work for him. And when it didn't work, he created his own system. And then he's also picked 20 or teenage version of him, really, I think, with uh, Austin Theory, where it's like, I see something in you, but you've got to develop this ruthlessness. You've got to develop uh, the killer instinct. You've got to develop you know, whatever it is that Vince thinks that he's missing and trying to pass on to him and investing all this time and sprinkling all this Vince dust on him. I, I think it only makes sense that actually Vince current <laughs> is, is going to show up uh, and kind of get involved in between things between these two. Yeah. So everything being said, what do you think happens with McAfee post WrestleMania? I think they kind of hinted a little bit where he, he might like dive away from that SmackDown announce table. Do you think that's a thing or what do you think? Um, I think he's got to stay. You think he stays? Because real quick, let me add a little bit to that. Where There was a point where he's saying he's privately flying himself to SmackDown in a jet every week after recording a show. So he's literally making no money off this. Or the, all the money he's making is kind of getting that percentage or whatever is getting taken away by flying himself out there with this jet. So you yeah. think it's like a, all right, I'm investing in my future within wrestling by doing this for a year? Is it sustainable? Is he going to get a little bit more of a bump off of this? Or Because he started at the same at this time last year, right after WrestleMania. So mm. I don't that was just like a hey let's do this for a year and go from there type of approach maybe time is up maybe he does need to for himself and for his his pocketbook maybe uh cool the jets if you will uh and maybe take some time off but he has been such an like a welcome addition to me uh i think him and cole are one of the best commentary teams they've had since i mean i think you have to go back to the ruthless aggression days getting into like cole and taz or you know one of those pairings maybe cole and jbl but it's hard to imagine the smackdown product without pat mcafee for me it really is agree so i don't know if well it sounds like they got some shit to work out or whatever but uh overall i'm anticipating this match pretty well and uh you i think you slaughtered it correctly and uh i kind of have high hopes for it in a way yeah i'm with you i think this match is going to over deliver i think that pat mcafee 
Oops. Pat McAfee's the new Shane McMahon. Pass it on. <laughs> I, th- I think there's going to be some really cool stunts. Uh, McAfee's going to do something insane. Austin Theory's probably going to do something cool. Uh, he's an athletic kid as well. Yeah, his first big stage singles match, too. So kudos to him. It's a pretty big spot for him. He'll deliver within this role. You know what I mean? I still think it's a shine, Pat. I still think it's to kind of shine Vince a little bit or farewell. And in low key, I've kind of heard that Vince needs an ending to his documentary <laughs> coming out. So <laughs> could he get wonky in this room and kind of do something? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> you know, it makes me a little nervous, but hey, I'm here for it. Yeah, it feels like we need some kind of, uh, I hate to say ending to the Mr. McMahon character, but um, yeah, you can't just like, okay, I'm on TV and then I'm just going to, you know, stop being on TV. Like they're, you know, WrestleMania 26 to me was kind of like the end of the Mr. McMahon character, but now he's popped back up with Theory. So I feel like there has to be something. I feel like a Vince wouldn't turn himself face at WrestleMania. That doesn't feel like a Vince thing to do. How much, like, babyface shine does Pat McAfee get if he does something to Vince McMahon? Like, that really feel like a good look either. So I'm not sure how they're going to get out of this one, but I actually do have faith and confidence. Uh, normally I don't uh, when it comes to this company to, to pull off something. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. I just I got a different feeling about this match. Me too. I'm very curious about the fallout. So we'll see about that. All right, Marcus. Thank you very much for coming on and ju- discussing this match. You got anything you want to plug before we get out of here? I think my partner took care of uh, one end of business here on the North-South Connection, so I will also plug uh, WWE War, the project I do with JT. Uh, We drop every other Friday here on the North-South Connection. Uh, We take a season of WWE wrestling that is uh, usually whatever the pay-per-view is right after WrestleMania, so usually we go April to the next WrestleMania, so April to March or April to April. Uh, and we do a analytical style breakdown of every WWE pay-per-view. We give them plus minuses for all sorts of different categories and match grades. We add everything up together and we find out uh, how the shows stack as we go along. So it's a really hey, fun project. Totally. You guys just released 1999 SummerSlam and 1999 Unforgiven yesterday. Yeah. Good time to jump in. If you haven't listened, uh, spoiler alert, SummerSlam is going to grade high. So I, uh, if you want to kind of compare and contrast between two shows, that's a great show to jump into and see how see how our science works out. Perfect. All right, gun to your head. Ten seconds. NBA Finals. Who you got? What's the matchup? Bucks versus Suns. Oh, oh, you, Bucks. I didn't hear you. We gotta go, guys. All right, guys. We'll um, <laughs> we'll get to edit in the Celtics on that one. All right, Marcus. Thank you very much, buddy. <laughs> thank you, Ryan. Queen Zelina and Carmella take on Naomi and Sasha Banks. As well as Rhea Ripley and Liv Morgan and Natalia and Shayna Baszler. Rocco Martone, what's going on, man? I'm good. You good? You ready for WrestleMania this year or what? Yeah, man. I'm psyched. I'm psyched. All right. We got the fatal four-way with the women's for the tag titles, right? That is correct. We do. All right. So this is kind of how we got here real quick. On the February 25th SmackDown, Naomi announced that her and Banks were going to reunite as Team Bad but not with that name, but whatever, and go for the women's titles at WrestleMania 38. So no camaraderie, just instant partners going for instant contenders. Okay, whatever. Then on the March 7th episode of Raw, Rhea Ripley and Liv Morgan team together against the champions, Khalid, Zelina, and Carmella, with a chance to insert themselves into the women's tag team match at WrestleMania. And of course, they won. So pretty much their first time teaming, and they're contenders. They, they, teamed the, they teamed the week before, but yeah, with the theme we're going with, we're, we're going to ignore that. And then, on the March 18th SmackDown, Natty and Shayna would attack Liv 
and Rhea, Shayna and Naomi, in a pretty that was which was a pretty good SmackDown tag team match, which gives me hope for this match. Uh, and then afterwards, Sonya liked their attitude and w- awarded them by inserting them into the match at WrestleMania. So they kind of just started. They realized they didn't have a match. They teamed up in instant contenders. So a lot of kind of throwing shit at the wall and forming a fatal four way. But Queen Zelina and Carmella have been champs since November 22nd episode of Raw. They were loosely linked together since the summer of 2021. So, hey. They were loosely linked together. They weren't instant contenders. They had to kind of build a little camaraderie before they got the belts. So, Rocco, with all that being said and all this instant camaraderie and all this loose storytelling, how excited are you for this match? I am excited. Um, I like a lot of the people in this match, but that, that three-way match really got me jazzed for this because that, that was a real cool match. Yes, it was. And, uh, yeah, that got me like, real psyched. Uh, I like the teams. I don't really care about the Natty Shayna team, but I like the other three teams. I think they're all really cool. It's got some of my favorite women on the roster, and Liv, Sasha, and Zelina are all on different teams, and uh, they could all go, man. I dig it, too. It's just once you accept that the women's mid-card is the tag team division, and it's just kind of like moving parts thrown together, and that's kind of just they're filling TV, and they're working on their character and all that stuff, you accept it, and... I don't hate it. It's never like top of the card excellent, but it's good TV filler. It's it's good women character development stuff. So with all that being said, I, I agree with what you said. I am looking forward to it, and I and I, I do like it. But you know, if there's one team that I l- certainly like instantly off the bat was Liv and Rhea. How about you? That is my team in this. I think it's a super cool team. Uh, I think they have great chemistry. It's like a Diesel Sean kind of thing. Yeah. Like it reminds me of that. And they kind of did that with Dakota and Raquel in NXT, and it worked. That was a heel version. This is a babyface version. I think it could be sweet. I think this match could just be super fast paced. I would love to see like a live as the you know take a lot of the heat, big bomb, the whole match crazy, and then eventually gets that hot tag on Rhea. Rhea comes in, cleans up, you know, destroys everyone. Hot tag back to live. Live pins it. She's the only woman in this match who's never won a title, even in NXT. And I think that would be a huge moment. I think she has genuinely connects with everyone. I think she deserves it after that Becky feud. I think she really has earned like a big-ass moment like this. And I think that would be such a fucking cool moment for her to be in the ring with Rhea crying her eyes out like she likes to do live. And I think that would be fucking awesome. And I agree. I think that's the way they should go. And I, I, I put my money on it. That's the way that they go. I like that you added that t- it would be the first live title victory. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's a really cool moment for her. And I think she earned it 100%. Absolutely. And it's like, like you said, you know, the mid card is the tag. And that's, you got to just admit, you got to just accept that they're never going to have a big feud without a title for the women, at least up until this point. And uh, if this is how it's got to be, it's how it's got to be. And with the rail live, heels like Zelina and Carmella, Natty and Shayna, Sasha and Naomi. I kind of feel like that's a team that's here to maybe branch into something else. And Sasha and Naomi could be a heel team, or this could just be a way for Sasha to get right back into the singles, you know, title run right after this. Just a kind of a cool way to have these two super over faces because they need, you know, I feel like that's why they added Natty and Shayna. Anyway, it was just to even out the heel face side, you know? Yeah, a lot of moving parts here. We're not to me, Sasha Banks is great character, great star power, whatever, but direction wise, it feels like a constant moving part. So I, don't, I, I never know which way she's going. But also don't forget, Liv could have her moment because it's warranted. Sasha's like 0 and six at WrestleMania. <laughs> so I wouldn't cash in on that yet. 
and give her the win, but that, that they could want to be giving her a moment too. Where you, right. you need it, a one and six is better than an zero oh and seven, but still, it's still bad. Right, and you probably can tell, like the commentary during that match is probably going to let you know, or if, if they're hitting on the Sasha never winning, or mm-hmm. if they hit on Liv never having a title. I think that might kind of lead to how, you're, how the match is going to end. And you're right about Sasha. She's like the big show. Like I never like she's face, she's heel, she's back and forth constantly. I don't know. I'm very excited for this match, and it's going to be interesting to see where this goes. Like you always get hopeful. Is this going to lead to more stuff, or is just this just a way to get these? eight women on this card instead of doing a battle royal. So I hope it means, like, and that team of Liv and Ray, I mean, I think that could really be a marketable team that people would really like and have some cool gear. It could really put uh, a highlight, the, the division. And, like, if you look at their roster, there are a lot of heel women that they could be feuding with. And they could just have these same three teams, and that could just lead into a really cool next couple months of the tag team uh, women's division being, like, cool and have a spotlight. Yep, build equity up in Rhea, throw in a tag team and get to it. All right, Rocco, this has been a blast, buddy. You got anything to plug before we get out of here? Uh, you can just catch me on the uh, Daily Cronoso every, uh, you know, 11 episodes, and uh, I'm having a blast doing that, and I hope everyone else likes that one. Awesome, Rocco. Talk to you soon, buddy. Later, man. The best match in WrestleMania history, Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar, winner take all. All right, we're at the end. Mike Rossi, what's up? Not much, man. So I am happy to be here for the Reigns-Brock match, the main event, the big kahuni. The biggest WrestleMania match of all time. Reigns, which main event is this for Reigns? Which number? uh, Seventh. Seventh, okay. Two in Brock matches, though. Oh, and two in Brock matches. Yeah, he did state that tonight on Monday Night Raw. Eats him alive. He's done a million things in his career. But the one thing he hasn't done is beat Brock Lesnar's ass at WrestleMania. He's taking care of that this Sunday at WrestleMania. I like the red that he had on on Raw. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, that was a slick jacket. The Usos were flanking red. It really popped the blue titles. It did. I think it was cool to kind of start the show on Monday with uh, Brock opening it. And he had a like super babyface promo, got serious at the end. And then come back with Reigns, but do Reigns like at the end of the first hour. It wasn't like they waited too, too long to get to that point. You were kind of done with it by, by 9 o'clock or so. I think they threw him up when they had the peak viewership the last few months. That's when they kind of threw him up, was when they proceed the peak viewership of happening. But I did like how Brock was just like, I'm not doing these babyface promos anymore in the middle of his promo tonight. It was just kind of like... <laughs> I like the uh, the jabs he put at uh, Austin, too. He's like, you know, uh, never beat me, but, you know, but he still threw him props. So that was cool. Never beat me, but he's a, he's a big star like me. So I don't know. Man. We talked about earlier with Stone Cold. It might not be the end of Stone Cold. We'll see. Could be the beginning, but you never know. But we're not here for that. Mike Rossi and I, we ran down before Crown Jewel. We ran down what got us to that Crown Jewel match with Brock Lesnar in Roman Reigns. And then at day one, there was perceived to be Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns, but COVID happened. And I did 20 minutes with Tim Slonka on the Paul Heyman angle and what was bringing us to that match. So if you want a shitload of Brock Lesnar in Roman Reigns build, you know where to find it now. But Mike Rossi, from day one to, I guess now, with stops in between of the Rumble, Chamber. Give us a quick few seconds on what's important of getting us here for the main event of WrestleMania, the biggest match of all time. 
so after the turn at Rumble, when Reigns tur- uh, Heyman turned on Brock, kind of stepped away from the feud for a little bit until Chamber. You kind of had a month away, uh, but then you came back to it pretty hot after that. Uh, Brock was pretty much on SmackDown every week uh, for the entire run, and they kind of would one-up each other. But for the most part, Brock got the upper hand, at least on the SmackDown stuff. And then there was just a matter of Reigns getting the, obviously, the first blood during the post-match beatdown at MSG. Um, and that much-hyped-up spot that ended up being awesome theory. That was definitely a cool, hot angle that kind of heated this up. It kind of felt dull until that happened. And then it kind of turned Brock's demeanor around. And it made him start looking for Reigns' blood on top of it. It wasn't just a matter of the belt anymore. In fact, at one point, he said on a SmackDown promo, I, I don't care about the belts. I just want your blood. I, I definitely think that the heat got turned up at that MSG angle, which I think was tremendous. It was very disappointing probably for the live crowd. But I thought that, you know, Brock and color in that spot kind of set us up nice for the, the home stretch of this build for a match that really, I mean, Christ, as you were just stating, this build goes all the way back to SummerSlam. That it does. Yeah, the MSG stuff was awesome. The theory stuff was silly. But other than that, you know, I'm sure those people went home happy. John D'Amato loved it. He was there. Um, I don't know. I'm ready. I'm here. It's the end. And honestly, Mike, I don't think that it's 100% that Roman Reigns wins this match. I see a lane where Brock Lesnar wins this match. I think it's a safe way to get the title off of Roman. And yeah, we're not making a guy, but we're adding to a guy in Brock. It's not a call I would have. It's something, if you were like, it's 100% Roman Reigns, I think, ah, I don't know about 100%. I would I would probably go 75%, and then I can make a case for 25% of Brock winning this match. But the outcome is interesting. Well, first of all, the unification is huge. You know, we haven't talked about that yet. I think the unification is just adding to the spectacle of this match, which adds to the spectacle of WrestleMania, which puts a great bow on the end of this feud. So I don't think that they're breaking up the belts for a good for a long time, just for a short time. That, and I think it's going to be similar to, like, Becky two belts at 35. Roman ain't going on Raw every week. Brock ain't going on Raw every week. Yeah, I think ultimately it was just a culmination of not really having a hot enough Raw title match when you kind of had all your ideas for Raw kind of set in stone. I mean, even back, like even Cody Rollins, like, that was probably, I mean, that's been probably talked about now for a solid six to eight weeks, right? So, and then AJ was was always paired up with Edge. If you had Austin, always paired up with Owens. At that point, what would you really have had for a Raw title match? And Lashley got hurt. Yeah, and Lashley was hurt. So you weren't really in a position where you could keep them separate without jacking up something else on the card. So So it just adds to the match, but it's a nice twist and a nice capper. And it doesn't feel like... As my boy Marcus would say, bacon on top of a cupcake. It, you know, both are great. It feels like it fits. Yeah, the, they flowed through it well. I mean, Brock just became dominant from, you know, after he lost the title at Rumble, he destroyed everybody in the Rumble, came, came right back, won the Chamber. So, you know, he it was all a logical build, and it feels fresh. Like, I, I watched, I know we discussed it the other day. I rewatched the one from 31 and the one from 34, um, I was in the building for both of those. Obviously, the crowd in 31 was electric because it was the first one, and, and that was re- the culmination of a really good Mania show. 34 was a was a decent Mania show, had some good points to it, but at that point, it definitely felt like a flat match Where with a surprise ending when everybody kind of thought that was going to be when Reigns got the upper hand and, and they changed, you know, Brock became the winner, um, and then that feud went on to SummerSlam again from there, but 
that's a fresh build because you've got babyface Brock now. That's the first time that's happened in this feud. Um, and you've got nuclear heel uh, reigns at the helm of this feud as well. So it's felt fresh. You know, you've got a probably the best version of Brock we've had on WWE television since his return. Um, as far as, you know, just having character, having layers to his promos, speaking on TV once or twice a week now versus, you know, when he was with Heyman, he might speak once every six months, if that. So it was that they have been able to make this match fresh while also giving us something that's going to feel different to it. Um, when six months ago, if you thought about this main event, you were probably disappointed. Yeah, six months ago, you're, you're disappointed. But this is this is the peak of both their characters pretty much in a long time. In a really, this is the most enjoyable Brock's been and he's been great his whole time. You know, babyface Brock standing alone as a fucking cowboy, as a Lone Ranger, is just phenomenal. The promos, the everything is great. The look, everything, and then Roman's on a on a fucking banger of a run. He never disappoints, and he there's legs on him. You know, he, he could end this year as a babyface, or he could end this WrestleMania with two components. I see two things that could possibly be well. There's three things, real quick. Heyman is Heyman definitely staying. As is, is he's definitely in in Roman's court, or is this a double swerve, double agent type of thing? Yes or no? I don't think that he switches back. I, I think that you kind of want this Brock to be on his own. Whether I mean, it, it kind of twists and turns and go either way. Does Brock lose this match and go away for a while? Does he win this match and you know continue through working through SummerSlam? How is that going to go? And then from there, you can kind of try to figure out. You know, based off what you think with that, where the rest of the match is going to go. I don't think Heyman's going to turn again. I'm just throwing it out there. The other one is Gable Stevens. He's around. He was at day one, but he was rumored to be involved in some aspect, and he he wasn't. And the only thing on day one that changed was this match. So that's why, you know, I put my antennas up a little bit like, hmm, all right, Gable Stevens tweeted that he's going to be at WrestleMania. He's going to be at WrestleMania. Let's, let's, you know, it is what it is. Me and Richie did freaking five minutes on it. So he's going to be here in some aspect. Here's why I don't really see Gable Stevenson or Stevenson evolved with this match at all. He's 6'1", 265. I think you want to make him look overwhelming when you debut him and that's why you know when that almost rumor was out there for gable that also didn't kind of make sense to me um because i think you want this guy he's gonna kind of 265 on this current roster is kind of like super heavyweight territory so i would want to put him in there with some guys he can throw around first and kind of build up his name that way as opposed to throwing him right into like a brock thing he's gonna look like a small guy for one and do you really want a guy's first WWE run to be something with Brock or Reigns? It just it kind of puts that added pressure on there, and I just I can't see that either. He's got the collegiate resume. He's got the Olympic resume. It's he's a a collegiate killer, fucking stud amateur wrestler with a hell of a name, and it could be instant success. It just depends where they want to use him and go with him. It, he could have only been signed for like two years, three years, so they might want to cash in. They need stars. They need buzz coming out of this WrestleMania. I wouldn't rule it out, but I, I just wanted to bring it up as an option. Third, sure. And the third one is what everyone wants. Everyone wants Roman to hang over Brock and then fucking if you smell what the Rock is cooking to hit. And, then, you know, and that's what everyone wants. Uh, everyone's low-key anticipating it. Everyone is dreaming of it. It would just cap off a great WrestleMania moment. And they could have like a little 
year Roman Reigns rock build like they did with Cena, but like in a different way, but the same way. So that's kind of my three things. Like, hey, could this little thing happen here and there? Just as we speculate, you know? Oh, for sure. And that's what makes this kind of thing fun, because being the main event of the entire two-day weekend, you expect something crazy to happen. I mean, because, like, going back to the freshers, even though the match does feel fresh and it's the third time they've done this Mania main event, they were able to, you know, throw a weird kink in at the first one at 31 with the Rollins cash-in. 34 was more straight-laced. It was more dominant Brock. This time, I feel like, you know, we're kind of going to leave this Mania almost starting a new era, but next year you're going to really want to hype up that build to L.A., um, especially because I think that you struggled as WWE to sell out this AT&T stadium this year. They, and they've done a lot of deep discounting, like 25% off, 30% off, things like that. I think you're going to want to, especially if you stick to the two night model next year, you're going to want to do something big to keep that or start that hype train going to mania next year, 39, uh, because then you're going to probably come back with something, try to come with something even bigger for 40. But I think with the way business is running now, you're going to want to start that hype for L.A. as quick as possible. And Rock doesn't have to do much. He just has to come out here, either cost Reigns a title or have the stare down. And then they like just kind of allude to it being at 39. I do expect it to happen. Dwayne's been kind of all over the place on Twitter. With He's been in Hawaii for a while. I've kind of been following along with it. But... You're never going to know with that guy. I mean, he's he's kind of blown some of his surprises in the past, but that was when he was around more. Now that he hasn't been around, I mean, what was the last time he was on a show? Was it the SmackDown debut on Fox? Yep. And before so, that, it was a long time ago. Before that, it was a while, and that was for kind of a corny, like, meaningless thing with Becky and Corbin. So I think that you're, you know, his next appearance is going to feel huge again, and I think this is the time to do it. I'd, I'd actually be... Kind of surprised that they, if they don't do it, um, and I would start to think that he's actually not going to be around for LA next year if he doesn't do this here. That's just my feeling on it. That, and you, you, you got the XFL coming out too next time of this year, promoting that with a WrestleMania build might be enticing to him. And I think he wants to go out in a blaze of glory, and he wants to, you know, Roman is family, so Samoan Diocese, Vince, all that, you know. And Vince could be going out around this time next year too, so I'm sure Vin- Rock would want to be around for that. There's a lot of probably factors that we don't know. His thing, if he can do it, I'm sure he wants to. But all right, Mike, as we break down, anything else before we get out of here? No. I mean, so what? what's your final say and who's going to win this thing? You, you saying uh, Reigns? I think Reigns wins it. Uh, I'm not like 100% because here's the thing. You think Ronda's going to win. You think you think Bianca's going to win. And you think Roman's going to win. And one of those are probably not going to happen. Yeah. You know? So yeah, I, I'm on the Brock train. I, I just I felt it all along. I think that they're going to do it. Um, and that goes to my thinking that that the Rock is going to take the t- you know be the reason that he loses the title. Um, that's that's just been in my gut the whole time. I can't st- I can't get rid of it. So. I'm going to roll with that, so we'll see where we end up. And I'm going to go that he stands over Brock and The Rock comes out and they're face-to-face. <laughs> Sweet deal. Well, um, I'm, we're looking forward to it. So, Yeah, so anything to plug before we get out of here for this podcast? You're a part of the Daily Cronoso, and what else did you just do this past Monday? So I've been all over the place on this thing. A couple weeks ago, me and um, Andrew Reich did a NCAA tournament preview. Um, that was like two and a half hours. <laughs> it, it was long, but... And, you know, if you, if you listen to that and bet on us, I feel bad for you. I'm sorry. 
as anybody in this year's tournament. And then I did a indie preview. So pretty much all non WWE shows. Um, I did like an hour and 10 on that. So that's up there now too. So check that out and get yourself hyped for everything going on this weekend in Dallas. All right, Mike, thank you very much. Thank you, man. Have a good one. Well, that is it guys. We are here at the end. And at the end, I said, I'm going to give you a prediction for the five matches that I anticipate to be the top five. And here we go. With speculation, of course. Raw Women's, SmackDown Women's, Cody Seth, Edge AJ, Roman Brock. Of course, those are the five from the actual two WrestleManias that you would think. Actually, I could see a Sammy in a Knoxville or a McAfee in a Theory like sneaking up in a weird WrestleMania 34 Ronda Triple H way or Bad Bunny way last year. So I'm not ruling those out. And then you have the NXT five-way ladders. The NXT three-way tag team, the Gunther and Knight match, the Breaker Ziggler, and even the Tony DiCiampa if this is Ciampa's last NXT match and he wants to go out on an absolute banger. But here we go. I'm going Brock 1. I'm going Edge 2. I'm going one of the women's, and I think it's going to be Becky 3. I'm going to go 2 with NXT, and I'm going to go with the ladder. And with an absolute shocker, I'm going Breaker and Ziggler. Those are my five guys. All right, roll credits. I am absolutely toast. Again, thank you for all for contributing. It was an absolute blast. You all rule. I could have done without any of you guys. And I appreciate you all. Much love. Till the next Later. I hold you through the toughest part. We be like it's the end. Cause life is still worth living. Yeah, this life is still worth living. Sacrifice. Sacrifice Your love for more of the night I tried to pull up the fire